What's going on, everybody? This is the Eat, Sleep, Elite, Repeat podcast, your weekly AW review and breakdown. How's it going, boys, girls, enemies out there? How is it hanging there, fellas? Hey. Hello, what have we here? Yes. Um, ah, man, there was some really fun wrestling this week. We had some Ring of Con action, Charlie. We had some Death Before Disconnor. Um <laughs> And, uh, you know, uh, listen, like there was some good wrestling this week and there was some really fun, uh, nasty, bloody wrestling this week as well. Um, so we'll, we'll have to talk about all that. So just a few things just randomly off rip. There are going to be some things we talk. I already mentioned death before discon or, um, which we'll talk about. Obviously we'll discuss that during the news. We will also probably, I believe also during the news, discuss the G1 a little bit. I don't know how much we'll, we'll, we'll play it by ear. We'll see how that goes. Um, so those are things to look forward to throughout this show, as well as obviously your weekly AW reviews and breakdown for Collision, Dynamite, Rampage, and Ring of Gun. Um, so that's what you got to look forward to on this episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm Bane Duke, B-A-N-E-D-U-K-E on Twitter. That's where you can follow me. Uh, if this is your first time listening to you, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow Charlie at O-Charlie with an X instead of an A. And the Twitter feed itself for this podcast, Eat Sleep Elite on Twitter. Uh, we interact with people over there all the time, and we hit you a message. A message? A message. We'll hit you with. Um, it sounded like fucking Mike Tyson there for a second. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But, um, but, um, and then, uh, yeah, and you know, uh, I completely lost my train of thought after that. But my yeah, favorite no, Mike can... Tyson is when he says Mothin. <laughs> <laughs> it always gets me. I'm like, God damn it, <laughs> Mike yeah. Tyson is just a legend. Let's yeah, um, I'm no, I mean, Twitter... no disrespect. Twitter.com um, eats sleep elite, but hey, it might be X.com eats sleep elite by the time you're listening to this. God only knows. Christ, what the? So <laughs> that's all right. Anyway, um, so yeah, um, that being said, though, um, yeah, I, what, that's crazy. Actually, I don't even. I, I just saw that it changed over to the like the X logo, and I'm like, what is going on here? I didn't. I just. Anyway, um, but yeah, so yeah, yeah, also, you know, um, whatever podcast platform you happen to be listening to this on, be that, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you're listening to, there's a follow window or subscribe button on that little feed you're listening to. Get this pod in your feed every week. Make sure you just stick around with this pod of glorious AEW fandom. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to get into everything here in just a bit. We always like to start out with our favorites. Um, but Charlie, I have a, I have a question for you. So... <laughs> I'm watching Rebels, all right? All right. Star Wars Rebels. Yes, the show Star Wars Rebels, all right? And they make this big deal out of the fact that they expose that Kanan's a Jedi to, like, a random person. And then, like, the next few episodes later, they kind of just, like, everyone knows. (laughs) Am I just reading too much? I feel like that's... I feel like it was a way bigger deal at first. Hey, man, I mean, look. Did they just drop that plot point, do you think? Like, because it... They already had encountered Inquisitors, so it kind of didn't make sense for them to be in secret at that point. Like, yeah, probably. I mean, you know, it's like when MJF took off the Joker mask, we never saw it again, right? So it's just yeah. kind of like, you know, I, I don't know. Jedi, I felt like they made a very big deal out of that specific moment with Ezra, yeah. and I was like, huh, like this was a mistake he was supposed to have made, and it, it didn't end up like hurting them in the Jedi. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't feel like oh, yeah. it had any consequences at all whatsoever. So, yeah. I in mean, fact, it ba- gained them a benefit in, in Hondo. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> yeah. it worked out positively. I, I guess you could say, oh, it was the Force. But you know how I feel about explanations of, oh, it was the Force. You know, like. 
it's like, yeah, but also, get, you know, they're actual things that the force motivates people to do. It's not just like the force made it happen. Oh, anyway. Um, I, I, I do love myself some Star Wars Rebels. Um, it's a good show. Real, uh, real quick, uh, we kind of mentioned it last week, but um, if you guys are interested in another podcast, uh, our, our buddy Brady, who's been on the show before, he's going to be on the show oh, hopefully soon. Uh, he's got a podcast right now called More Than a Classroom, and he's a teacher as a profession, and it's kind of a peek behind the curtain and just exploring a bunch of different things that maybe you guys are curious about, and that releases on Monday mornings. So as our show usually comes out Monday nights, this is Monday morning, so if you guys are interested at all in that, and we'll have him on here soon, where we'll he'll we'll give him a, a spotlight to kind of talk about that himself. But yeah, that's that's about it for us, and um, we just have now our, our favorites. And I gotta tell you, it, it's it's a weird week for him because you're kicking us off here, actually. So uh, take take the lead with your favorites. Take the lead. Yeah. So. Uh... This week we had um, some some really really good matches, like I said off the top. But uh, I think by far the best match, at least the most entertaining match to watch on television this week was Blood and Guts. Blood and um, Guts. Yeah. So just let's just get right into it. So we had Kenny and Claudio first time, first ones in the ring, which everybody knows that's one of those legendary matches that people want to see happen. Obviously, you know what I mean? Um, because they're just two of the best wrestlers in the world. You know what I mean? Um, so that's a great start. You know what I mean? Um. <clears throat> and Honestly, I literally wrote perfect, the next like first two. Right? Oh yeah, and I literally wrote in my notes. We need a twenty-five minute barn burner with those two next. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. You know. Um, and we were kind of curious what the story of this match was going to be based on the like having to clearly change some participants last minute. Obviously, Brian Danielson was originally intended to be in this match. Um, you know, Eddie I think was clearly intended originally to be in this match. Um, maybe. Maybe not, actually. That might not be true. But I'm, I feel like there were probably people that could have been in this match that weren't able to be in this match, obviously. Um, so that obviously didn't work out. Um, but the people that they ended up getting, I think, ended up delivering in a way that, you know... I mean, this is not the kind of match I feel like you want to plan out, like, a week. Not even not that the wrestlers do this. I, I feel like this is a match you throw together the night of. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like this is a match that you can, like... Maybe this is exactly the kind of match that you need to specifically plan out really, really intricately. Maybe I'm wrong, but because of how many dangerous spots there are. But to me, it felt like it didn't matter who we got here. This match is just chaotic and crazy enough that we're, it's going to work, you know? Um, at least it should. So, um, so yeah. So, but I did, uh, that's, that's, we need, we need that 25 minute match or like 20 plus minute match with those two. That'd be pretty, pretty fun. You could, you could main event a dynamite with that. Like, why not? I mean, that probably isn't going to happen Fuck, for a while. You could main event all in right with now. that. Send it. Absolutely. There, there <laughs> you go. Honestly, you really could. Or any pay per view, um, and we're gonna start do twelve a year. We're gonna start doing main events, so you know, um, you know, I still don't think that's happening, but you never know. Uh, Mox, as soon as he entered the match, started shanking motherfuckers um, with a fork, because uh, that's Mox these days. If you haven't seen a Mox death match recently, he loves his forks. Um, <clears throat> it was broken glass. Oh my god, Nick Jackson had a really fun entry sequence in this match. So the way I kind of did this in my head. Not everybody's entrance was as spectacular as everybody else's, in my opinion. I think some people came in and did crazier stuff than others, and maybe that was on purpose, but I really, really liked when Nick came into the match. Like He started just going absolutely nuts. I described it as flippy-dippy-doo-dah. Yeah, literally. That's and a pretty good word for it. he hit every flip you could imagine, mm-hmm. and yet I was like, okay, this was it was a different change of pace for the match. We had some uh, really nasty glass spots. 
Uh, for some reason, Wheeler decided to bring a steel chair from what looked like the Jap, like the Japan steel chairs. Well, they're not steel, but the J- Japan audience chairs. You know what I mean? Like the, for some reason, even though they're not made out of like steel, you know, or whatever the hell those actual chairs that they use are made out of, right? Like, I feel like those Japanese chairs hurt more, man. I don't know. Part of me feels that way, you know, like. Oh, it's probably not even a Japanese chair. The specific brand of chairs they love to use in Japan. <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to call it a Japanese chair because it's probably like fucking Australian or something. You know what I mean? Or some weird shit. Like, you know, like. It's from Ikea. <laughs> literally. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. But they look like they hurt more. Um, okay. So the, the the craziest spot of this match. Well, there was a couple. But probably the two craziest spots of this match were the uh, Pac hanging from the top of the steel cage and dropping through the table on. Who was he on? Who did he do that to? I don't even remember. Um Whoever it was, it was not fun for them, I bet. Um, uh, and then the, the bed of nails. So have we seen this bed of nails before? For some reason, it seemed like we had when I brought it out. I personally don't remember seeing it before. If we did, it might have been on like a non-AEW show that somebody... Like, I've, I've done a little research on the bed of nails since, mm-hmm. and I guess it's like a carnival trick. It's it's like a oh yeah so here's the th- okay so I can actually yeah. explain this in case people want to know um so when you are laying on a bed of nails for example or like when you lay down on a bed of nails the reason why it doesn't really hurt you that much or even at all I don't think is because the way the bed of nails is laid out your weight is evenly distributed across the nails so you're not going to get punctured by any of the nails because your body just lays across it like it's like I, I don't want to say like it's a flat surface because it's obviously not, but like it, it does seem like it distributes the weight evenly enough that you're not getting completely fucked up. Now, how that affects how that is affected by me falling onto it or being dropped yeah, no, onto it no or putting my hurt. foot into it, I'm guessing it probably doesn't have the same effect. I'm guessing I could be wrong. It could be one of those things that is because it's a carnival trick. It's been so precisely figured out at this point, and I don't want to be that guy. But I did notice that they looked a little sanded down. I did notice that, you know, again, I don't want them getting fucking punctured all to hell or sliced to pieces like Kenny Clegg did. What do you mean? I want death. I want death before dishonor. Exactly. Uh, But, you know, um, send evil Uno. Literally. Yeah. Evil Uno pulling out the AR, man. Could have could have turned it into a real blood and guts. No, anyway. um, (laughs) But uh, but. No, I mean, so I don't know how that works. I'm assuming the ones that probably did fuck them up the most. I mean, obviously, the shit falling on Kenny's leg, that was not, I don't think that was, that was obviously not planned, you know? <laughs> um, so that probably fucked him up pretty good. But um, I'm guessing the, the 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 body slam, although because you're laying out on it, it might have the same effect, but I don't know because you're falling straight onto it. The body slam probably fucked Kenny up pretty good. Uh, Mox getting the because like again you're laying on it and it evenly distributes the weight, but then somebody does a like a flip onto you. Like I, I assume, I assume that did something. It's hard to tell though because by that point Mox had been dropped through glass already. You know what I mean? So he already had a bunch of holes in his back. So I don't know, but um, and they were straight up just like missing chunks from his back. If you don't, <laughs> if you guys didn't catch that, there was just holes in Mox anyway. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, that was probably the craziest spots I've ever seen. Those bed of nails. I I can't think of anything crazier in wrestling that I've ever seen. Like, but Charlie, do you got anything off the top of your head? Like, well, here's the thing. I I like that. And now now, there's gonna be other people that 100 percent disagree with me. Much more than the fucking light tubes. To me, the light tubes are fucking like it, it's kind of a joke. I, I, I instant, do not. Uh, no, it instantly makes I me. I do not like light tubes. And this, I mean. Bearing a de- fucking disaster, I think it looks 
more vicious than light tubes, and I think it's safer. It now, that being have, said, would have I'm be. not going and jumping on that fucking thing. Oh, I don't the one, the stones, people but... talk about all the spots. The one that was the worst to me, Kenny put his foot on the thing, man. That thing had that. that there's no way that was evenly that distributed. You know what I mean? Dude, I mean, what about Matt Jackson and Wheeler Yuta going up top? That was pretty nuts. Them them doing the uh, the the uh, the. the the repeated, I don't know what you call it. They have a name for it, but like the yeah, repeated, it's like some type of Northern Lights. Yeah, the repeating Northern Lights suplexes. I know, I knew the name of the move. I couldn't. They have a name for it where he does locomotion. That's what they call locomotion, it. The locomotion it yep. Northern Lights on the top of the cage, which uh, I fucking insane. The two of them clearly. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean, um, there there was so many different storylines coming out of this match and and coming into this match that now we're left where. Oh my god, we had a rain of thumbtacks. That's so metal, you know. Yeah. Like that was awesome. But, but we got it. We got to talk about it. Kota Ibushi. They saved the best for last. Whew. Oh yeah, that fucking monster reaction. And dude, if you want to, if if you guys are wondering how they're going to treat Kota Ibushi in AEW, he came in and laid everyone the fuck out with kicks, and then it. It pretty much ends up being him and Moxley, right? And then he just they go on and forth, and you know, Kota Bushi. I think his role in this entire match was stiff. You had a lot of guys doing a lot of things, but I think he was meant to be the one that looked like a straight powerhouse, almost like like a Brody King in the match, where if he kicks it, you're falling. Get over. one, get those guys in one of these, please. I could see it. Um, you know, Can you imagine and- those three in that one of these, Matt, dude. But uh, the, so Pack ends up leaving, which sets up our Death Before Dishonor match, right? Of course. And then Takeshi gets pulled away f- with Callus, so it's really just yep. a combat club. Their mercenaries are gone. Yep. Moxley sees Yuta being about to be choked out, and he calls for the match. He sees. Let's be real. He sees Wheeler about to be fucking murdered, <laughs> and he puts up the white flag. He's like, all right, Wheeler Wheeler doesn't need to die for this, you know? That leaves Claudio, like, distressed. You know, he seems to be the closest to Wheeler, right? You got your own factions within this faction of four. And Claudio seems to be the closest to Yuta. And we're left with so many stories here. And and I think it's beautiful that the Golden Elite was finally able to make Jon Moxley see the light for a second and realize, what have I done? I almost have. I almost hope we we go into an angle with Moxley now, where he's pondering his existence. Like I, I almost see got. It. I almost his got entire Wheeler story has been kill. changing like that slowly over time. You know what I mean? Like over the course of the last couple of years, since he like was winning the title and was a babyface, but then Blackpool Combat Club, he kind of had that sort of edge to him, and then like you know, like it's uh, I could they, like you said, there's so many different directions they could go with this. Well, there's a lot of stories going into all out now. Hundred percent. I wrote in, two words out. at the end of my notes here, Charlie. Unmitigated violence. That's fitting. It's very fitting. I, it was nice to see Kenny and Coda. Um, give me them versus FTR while we still have the chance. <laughs> Shit, give me them versus Bullet Club Gold. Yeah, I'm down with that too. Um, everything looked good. Uh, I I really thought that this is now our third blood and guts, right? And all three have been completely different. So we have that too. Very fun. Um. Yeah, did you I'm think with- that we did? Okay, so this is something I didn't see anybody talking about. Do you think we needed that throwing somebody off the cage spot again, or do you think no. we don't need that anymore? That was that was. I the think your thing. cage spot being the locomotion and the thumbtacks through the through the ceilings, the 
Thumbtacks through the ceiling might be a better spot. It honestly is because imagine so if you can imagine it's technically an offensive move because if that hits somebody in the eye, they're done. You know what I mean? Like so, but even if obviously that's not the intention, he's just trying to get him in the ring. You know what I mean? And so you know, it, but it's just it's a fucking it. It fit the style of the match and the story they were telling that it did it when they did it, and then the thumbtacks were then a part of pretty much every spot in that ring for the rest of the match, pretty much. So like yeah, you know. the thumbtacks, the glass, um, and then we got the really awesome match between Pac and uh, Claudio that we'll talk about and. Yeah, is it safe to say the elite in the combat club? The story is over. I hope so because I'd rather these two be available to do or these two groups. I should say available to work with other talent and potentially elevate them, um, or just you know elevate the show. Yeah, um, I'm a little concerned that without something to focus on, that it's going to get back to exactly like it was before with CM Punk and the Elite, even though they're on separate shows now. Um, but that is my only concern at this point is that. Something happens backstage, which is really sad that I have to have that concern at this point. But, you know, it's probably valid. So, you know. Yeah. Hey, we got to see what's best for business, right? And, Dude, right uh, now the rumor is Kenny and the Bucks are fucking Audi. So I I don't know. Yeah, that would uh, not be good for AEW. But I, I don't I don't see it happening. Um, that being said, um, my favorite this week, it's kind of a couple things. Might be thinking, oh, you can't do that. That's cheating. Well. We make the fucking rules. It's MJF and Adam Cole. And what, so you know exactly what I mean when I say that. We're going to, it's, it's the pre-segment. It's the interview. It's the match. It's all of it. MJF and Adam Cole, AEW's caught lightning in a bottle with them, Duke. All right, hold on. No, 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 no. This is the second time we had a Britt Baker squash and then we didn't talk about it with Adam Cole. I'm sorry. We got it. We got to fucking have him mention his wife. I'm I'm sorry. He's not his wife yet, but you know, his girlfriend. Like, I get it. They're wrestlers. They don't need to mention each other. But if you're going to have them in back-to-back segments, come on, man. Uh, hey, maybe they could end- mention that during Brits, but then you're talking about the men during her segment and I, that's a whole nother... No. Better if, if, if he talks about her, because then you're not doing that. That's what I'm saying. Like if he's just like, oh man, no, she we had Britt mentioned there, last you know? week. Like, so I, she was mentioned during their segment last week. But anyways, AW has seriously caught lightning in a bottle with these guys, and I, I get, I, you know, in wrestling, you have these. The, the clearly the plan is all in. It's going to be Adam Cole versus MJF. That's been the plan, right? We see it now. They're they're delaying time to get to that. I don't know, man. Everybody keeps saying they shouldn't break them up. But, so I don't know. I have no but, idea. But I don't think you can do that. You got to keep them together. This team is the most over thing in the fucking product. I cannot believe the levels that this team is achieving. And, you know, I heard Brian Alvarez say say something along these lines this week during his show. I don't know what show. The guy is 50, but... Um, during one of his shows this week, he kind of mentioned, this isn't the UFC. This is wrestling. You can change your storylines. You're not locked into something. And that, uh, that kind of resonated because this is so true. We've heard for years, right? Tony Khan's going to be different. This is going to be a different style of wrestling. We don't have to, we can go with what's getting over. We saw the acclaimed last year, right? There, you, there was no fucking way that was the plan. And then they caught lightning in a bottle. Three weeks in a later, boom, they win the tag titles, and the rest is history. Now, still a year later, they're still one of the most overacts in the company. And they it's because they went with it. Now, 
We'll start with the with the uh, the. See, well, but your problem with that is Charlie go, going with it here would be them beating FTR. I'm not with that. They don't have to. Honestly, they don't have to beat FTR. You just don't have to break okay, them then up. I'm struggling to understand. Like, okay, this is his only friend he's ever actually liked because he's not going to betray him after losing the tag title run. Like that's or Adam Cole's not going to. Like, you get what then I'm saying? Fuck like, it. Just, Put him over it, FTR. It's such a. You can run this through All Out. You can have MGF Adam Cole versus FTR be it All Out, and you have I don't FTR want them back. being champions walking into All Out. I want FTR being champions walking into All Out, so we can have All Out be FTR versus Aussie Open, which we were supposed to get at the pay per view. The last maybe, you know I mean? but maybe you still run with that match. Then you do these guys versus fucking uh, Kenny and, and Coda. I don't know. There's options. But that is an option. Um, but here's the thing. The, during this segment, it, their segments are only getting better. They're embracing their, uh, they're embracing their uh, fears, if you will. Max is, he hates spicy food and most importantly, poor people, right? So he takes them to a fucking Chinese uh, like buffet. They they're eating spicy foods and they're drinking what they think is water. It's a hundred proof alcohol. These guys are fucking hammered. They think the waiter looks like Daniel Garcia. This one thinks he looks like Sammy Guevara. They give him the double clothesline and the video. We can hear the crowd reacting. I have never fucking heard that in AEW. Big reason why is you can't fucking hear the shit when you're there. It's a it's a whole nother story, but. Um, so that's happening. We jumped Wait, to the match. Like legit, you can't actually hear the backstage segments on audio in the stadium. It's it's for the most part, especially at bigger arenas, you can't. You just can't really. You can kind of pick up on what they're saying. That's a PA system problem. I don't think WWE has this issue. I know it's a big difference. I, I, in company, I can tell you like, firsthand. WWE does have this problem in Orlando. Does it so really? It, anytime they've gone to the Amway Center, it they've had this problem. You can't really hear it, right? But that's for the TV audience. That's why those are usually for the TV. And if they're for the crowd at home, they'll do it on stage, right? Nah, it's got to be Gators in the power lines or something. Um, But, <laughs> well, yeah. So we get to the match. And, you know, Daniel Garcia starts doing his thing. MGF does it back. This, I mean, can we describe this as a thrust off? I mean, MGF, by the end, oh my God, hold on. I forgot the interview. They both got each other matching gear. <laughs> and then Adam Cole's like, I got one better. So MJF does his entrance. Adam Cole does his entrance. It's a fucking remix of his and MJF's song. And not only is MJF as a babyface, he is, God, he's so fucking good as a babyface. That, that's a whole nother thing. Like, if we keep the storyline going and we get MJF as a babyface, he is the best babyface in the fucking company. In the company. The proof is here, and it's not just because, oh, it's a small sample size. No, we saw it last year. We saw glimpses of it and how great it can be. And during this match, they have a fucking dance-off, which I I was thinking to myself, and I told a couple of our buddies after the thing, I'm like, you're going to see think pieces tomorrow about this dance-off, about people saying it's the worst thing they've ever seen. It's ruining wrestling. This is what AEW's become. Sure enough, there was those things, but my God, this was so fucking funny. I, I was laughing my ass off during this. Um, and the whole time up during the match, it's about them hitting the double clothesline. It's about MJF overcoming his fears and hitting a tope, which I think 
dude, is that the biggest pop you've ever heard for a tope? <laughs> Bro, it's funny too because the dude. I mean, I I could almost genuinely believe that like that's a move that because he knows how many people have been hurt on dives that he just actually is afraid of doing. I'm sure he's fucking done it before. I'm sure you know what I mean, but like. We haven't seen it oh, in yeah. AEW, so in canon, in AEW storyline, you know, in kayfabe, if you will, you know, he's afraid of hitting a tope because he doesn't want to get hurt yep. or he doesn't want to fuck it up or, you know what I mean? And he hit it and he had a fucking great tope, dude. Dude, his reactions are so good. He is such a cheesy fucking baby face. He's straight out of the 80s. I mean, he's, this is Hulk Hogan fucking shit he's doing with his facial reaction. I mean, he's literally saying stuff like Hogan did, like the slamming <laughs> fucking Big Bill in the Silver Dome or whatever. He raced. Raise the weight every single time. <laughs> I just, guys, I got to tell you, I can't believe how great this is. I never thought in a million years what this segment, what this team would become. You can go back four weeks ago. I was fucking hell bent against this. I thought it was stupid. I was passing over it like, oh, here we go. Let's just get this shit over with. But, wow. I mean, I really think what can come next, I have no idea. But you have the fucking crowd, and you have them. Like, we honestly need something to hold that, the crowd. This is like what MJF this. does, Charlie. It was the same this is last how good year. He, right? He's gonna betray him. That's why I keep saying this. It's the same story every time with MJF. No, no, it's never been this. And I don't think you can't. You don't. You don't think this is basically the same thing as he did with Chris Jericho? I can name you segments. Not that are exactly at all. It's pretty it's much not similar. Even like, similar. Nope. And in this. MJF, uh, just I really think if you, I there's got to be a point. You got you got other people there too. You got to have a discussion. Like, think about how much money you can make off these two as a team. I know it's your all in main event, but there's always going to be another main event. You can still run MJF and fucking CM Punk there, and just this time have Adam Cole in his corner. You can do that. There's so much shit you can do. That this doesn't have to be your main event. And I'll tell you what, if it is, hopefully MJF's the babyface. So if they, if I'm trying to find a silver lining and I don't, it doesn't go the way I hope it goes. Because, my God, this might be our version of fucking Cody losing if they break this team up. That's all I'm saying. So um, that being said, the match was fine. It, it was honestly one of the fucking, one of the most rewatchable matches I, <laughs> I've watched it three times. I, I can't help myself. When he hits the tope, it's just there's so much fun shit going into this. This is so much fun. And I think that's what, at our core, why we love wrestling is. We like to watch it and have a good time. And I, I had such a good time with this. I had such a good time with blood. I, I had such a good time with blood and guts. And then you take us to last week, the fucking 60-minute tag match. How fucking awesome was that? It's such a good time with that. I just think AW's hitting on all cylinders on... When they need to be. I think they need to right now during the summer months. So, again, any of the thoughts you have on this before we kind of jump into our news? This is just, we've pretty much covered all of Dynamite at this point. So, it's it's, it's the reverse of last I, week. I will say this. I've been enjoying <laughs> this stuff. Obviously, I really like it. I like the team. It's really fun. But I, I have to admit, like, you, you had made it clear to me now. They've booked themselves into another corner here, and I don't know why they I don't keep think doing they have. Well, no, dude, because like, like, it's exactly like you said. If they miss on this, it's a bad move, but I also think either of us want them to lose to FTR to lose here. So 
And so oh, I, I don't think they're winning. I don't think there's a chance. Well, no, no, no. I, I mean, like, so if, if, if we're still running them, because I don't think you run that as the main event. If my, so you're just not having the world title defended at the next pay-per-view. Like, hold on. Getting, what scenario are you talking about? So I'm, in, in this scenario, they lose okay. to FDR, but I don't yes. think that because they're the biggest, they're the, obviously the hottest team right now. I mean, who's hotter than them right now? You know what I mean? That could challenge FDR yeah, other than Bullet Club Gold, but they already said they're probably not running that back anytime soon. So, you know, like, um, I in that I, scenario you have Max defend his title against Punk or Omega. I mean, yeah, and but, you have Adam Cole in his corner. Okay, but like, so my my my, my concern is so so then I and that seems like the logical way because I don't think because if they win then you have to run back FTR. You just you have to. Yes, you, know you have mean? to run that back. You can even have FTR win and then those guys break up if you want, or have FTR win it back and you fucking. Go let them go their yeah. Like you have them win it, but then they lose it, and that's what breaks you, you them up. Absolutely, yeah. do not I mean, have to break this that team up. That could be the story they're telling. The there's there's different options here. My only concern is that if it doesn't hit whatever it is wrestling fans want, which doesn't seem very clear. You know what I mean? Like even this last thirty seconds, it's like I don't even know what the best option out of all the ones we just discussed would be because the best. Like, op- yeah, in my head, them losing and then MJF defending is probably the best scenario. But I think for a lot of people, that's going to be a. a not the because when people say, "Oh, you can't miss on this team; they're the hottest thing." What they really are saying is they should yes. win the titles. That's what they're really saying. You know what I, I mean? Like there are some people that are going to believe that. Me personally, I I don't think the titles in this scenario. Well, then what's not Max missing the on champ. this? I mean, like breaking them up, keeping feels them together like that's is the not end game of the story, this. no matter yes. what. Like so, we're getting there eventually. It's just whether it takes a long time or a short time. And I don't think it was going to be a short time either way because AEW doesn't do short term storytelling like that usually. Like. Um, it's very clear that this storyline was booked for them to lose the FTR and then them break up on each other. However, if they have decided to make a change, it's going to be them winning the tag titles and staying together or losing and staying together. And then you can maybe have Adam Cole feud with Roderick Strong. Again, a big reason why Max is he's facing Punk at either all in or all out. It's just which one. So, I mean... Okay, so I don't know. All out is September third, dude. How are you gonna book another opponent for Max before then? What do you mean? It's CM Punk. You just bumped the date up. I'm saying it's next week, dude. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> what is? September third. No, it's a month away. July, oh, August. Never mind. Yeah, it's <laughs> August third. I've lost my fucking mind. Anyway, but so I'm saying good, like so you have a month. You have a month. How are you going to yes. – so are you just going to, like, book MJF versus CM Punk for a month? Like, I guess. Like, I guess I, my, 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 my he, time As of right now, is, what they're going to do – Everyone can tell I've completely lost t- concept of time. Yeah. With, <laughs> what, what their plan was is – and I'm sure people will probably post this if they decide to uh, keep them together. The plan was going to be to run him and Adam Cole at All In and then run him and CM Punk at All Out. And it was going to be a crazy fucking week. It's two massive championship matches. However. You can just have him face fucking Punk it all in. Or have him face Omega. I, again, that option's there too. But I, I think Omega's facing Osprey. So. He's facing CM Punk that week. It's just, is it going to be on Saturday or is it going to be on Sunday? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I All I know is this. Um, it, it doesn't seem like... It seems like... It's like a... And there's this old thing where, like, it's no matter what you do, it's not an old thing that people say, but it's like something I heard reference to one historical event. Like, no matter what you're going to do, you're going to piss somebody off. You know what I mean? Like, 
And I feel like there is like a way you can maneuver your way through this. I just see, I, I find it very difficult to believe that like in this minefield, that is possible fuck ups that you could have with this story, which is, it, it is. I mean, I'm not saying it was a bad idea to begin with. It was a good idea to begin with, but it, it might be the best always... idea they've had in fucking but I think they should have gone into it knowing that this was their plan. Like, I feel like I know you can't know that it's going to work, but like, even if it wasn't going to work, people could just deal with this storyline and you could feel the vibe and just end it exactly like we were saying. You know what I mean? It should have been the other way. It seems like I agree yeah. with you. They planned on this being a short term thing, which mm-hmm. is a weird move by AEW. And it's then the, the long term ended up being a joke. thing they it- could do. And so now it's like, well, if we go long term with this, now it's like, now it's like, okay, great. But then, like, it kind of changes a lot of the plans we have. And we know how Tony is about, like, he likes to plan stuff out and then stick to it, you know? So, like, unless he gets something that completely changes, like, injuries or, you know, in the case of the acclaimed. But, like, because I'm sure he had other plans that didn't involve the acclaim, you know what I mean? But then it just happened, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. Sometimes, Sometimes you have to go against what you originally thought because of what the audience is telling you. Um, and, and I, this is a huge, this is huge for Tony. Think about the decision that's got to be made because exactly what you just said. Th- he did not think there's no fucking way he could have imagined that this is the way that people would react. There's no way you could not have pictured that. So he's got a massive decision to make here. And you know, that's why it's good. We got more people back there and yeah. So obviously coming into next week, guys, the reason we want to spend time on this is because next week, by the time we do the show, it, this could be dead. And remember, or, we're canceling the month of August. We're skipping straight to September 3rd. Yeah, we're skipping all in time, and everything. By the time we record next week, we are going to know what their plan was. Is if they're sticking to them breaking up or if they're sticking to them staying together. Because they will either... That will happen Saturday. We're gonna. Know what if they answer. just like break them up on a random episode of Dynamite before the, before the show? That'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm very curious what everyone's thoughts are on that so we got just a couple things in news and then yeah we got some uh g1 stuff and death before dishonor okay uh a report came out about orange cassidy is now working as a producer and agent in aew he produced the oh, recent yeah. big bill and brian cage have to retire soon no i think it just means it gets more money probably just gets more money per match he produces it's my guess i know but usually when guys are that young you know what I mean? And like doing that job this early. I hope it's just because they recognize how talented he is putting together matches. Exactly. Um, so he, he did Big Bill and Brian Cage versus Matt Seidel and Trent Beretta on 7-7 Rampage. And then the Kingdom versus Infantry on Ring of Honor. So those were a couple of matches he did recently. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr., the rumor right now is that he is signing with WWE by the end of August. Wait, that month exists? No, hold on, hold on. By the end of August, and then, uh, is that our new gag? What's August? August isn't real. It's Australia. And he should be moving to Orlando by the end of August. So that seems, that's one of the rumors. So he's going to just disappear into the ether because that month doesn't exist. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that. Okay, and so here's here's the thing. G1 Climax, right? Since our last Shit, show. like four weeks of the G1 don't exist. Fuck! Since, since our last show, four uh, shows of the G1 have happened. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit a couple of these matches that have stuck out. Kind of like what we did last week, right? So on tag three, Will Ospreay, Yoshihashi, it got four and a half stars from the Wrestling Observer. Hey, sounds like it was awesome. Sounds like it was some fucking great heat. 
And then the main event, Kazuchika Okada and El Phantasmo. People really got behind this, really loved this match. Um, tag four. It seems like the match that stuck out the most. Uh, Hanare versus Shingo Takagi. We covered last week uh, really in depth about uh, Hanare's story. And it's really cool to see him succeeding at the G1. And in this case, beating fucking Shingo Takagi. So that's awesome and really nice to see. In Tag 5, which is kind of being touted as the best show. And now now I'm going to point this out. (laughs) This is the first one on Samurai TV. Do with that what you will. Um, But, no, we had some serious fucking heat-seeking missiles here. Kazuchika Okada versus Taichi stole the house. Uh, Kaito Kiyomaya versus Shota Umino. Absolutely incredible. Will Ospreay versus Kenta. Uh, Gabe Kidd versus Ren Narita. You name it. So we had some really good matches. And Sonata, Yoda Suji, the rematch of Dominion. And then tag tag six is the complete opposite, Duke. It's Everyone's hating on it. Calling it the worst show of the tour. Saying it's one of the worst shows they've ever seen in the G1. But there's one shining star, and that's Shingo Takagi versus Tomohiro Ishii. So... That being said, so far um, Ishii too. Like, like I, I haven't seen every match Ishii's done in the tournament so far. I don't think, but I, I, everything I've seen, it, he's doing. Like, this is we're getting, we're getting, you know, to use uh, something that we said. Not that he's been in the main event, but we're getting main event Ishii, if you will. You know what I mean? Like he's actually stepping yeah. up for this G one. Which quality, is, quality, you know, quality Ishii. Yeah, there you go. Um, which is you know I, nothing against Ishii. He's not every match of his is something that I'm super into. So you know. So our current leaders, we got Sonata at six points in A block. We got Okada at six points in B block. We got David Finley at six points in, D- in C block. Zack Sabre Jr., Jeff Cobb tied at six points in D block. Um, if you guys are still hoping Finley turns it around, it hasn't happened yet. But, you know, we would still be a, a little optimistic and hope for the best here. Okay. You know, I was just thinking. Do you want to hit the Ring of Honor show real quick before we talk about Death Before Dishonor? Just in, it might help things in the timeline here. Uh, yeah, it'll be the mental timeline for sure. Um, yeah. Sure, so yeah. we'll we'll do that, and then I think other there is just there was not like a crazy amount from the scrum in here, like like news wise. Um, but it was just the main the main takeaway that we got from Athena was she she did say Julia, Maya Iwatani, Kairi Sane, you name it. So I. Th- think Tony's right there so you know he's got to hear it right but yeah take us through uh Ring of Honor this week and then we're gonna run into Death Before Dishonor so we had Ring of Honor from Honor Club episode 21 uh apologies if you can hear people screaming in the background by the way um we opened up the show with a pure rules match between Daniel Garcia and Jason Geiger Canadian legend um and yeah, so we got a little dance off part two here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we kind of did, but you know, it's just, <laughs> just, just Jason did a little dance. Um, it was fun. Uh, Garcia got the rope break first, so I shouldn't say he got it. He like he used one first, and actually, it was something that was a continuous theme through all of his Ring of Honor pure matches that he did recently. I think he's been getting those rope breaks first. I don't know if that was like a setup for the match with Shibata, but maybe it was. Um, one of my favorite things in this was uh, Ian mentioning. Uh, Geiger's jujitsu, and that he's like some fucking like you said Canadian legend in jujitsu. I was like, what the hell? Oh yeah, he got some of your wrestler. Chance. I guess he fits for the pure rules. Oh yeah, I also <laughs> keep the scoreboard. I, every time I see the scoreboard used on like a random episode of ROH, I, I just keep using it. It's good. It makes it makes more. It's gonna make more sense to the 
to the random wrestler or random wrestling fan that watches AEW or Ring of Honor in this case, you know what I mean? And is watching a pure rules match and doesn't know what's going on. Um, it'll become really quickly. It's like it's like the screen and you know what I would compare it to. It's like the timeouts and stuff and scoreboard in, in the NFL. Like you look at that, and you can get a lot of information that maybe that doesn't make doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to you instantly, but you can pick up a lot of information just from that. So. As a non-fan, yeah, he locked in the Dragon Slayer for the win. We had Trisha Dora, who was accompanied by the infantry, taking on Utami Hayashida, who is the fucking ace of stardom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he has some early control and arm, like a, like an arm attack uh, from Adora. She likes to do that, like attacking the arms and legs thing. Like I love that about Adora. She does that sort of like almost like Brian Daniels Danielson ish thing, where you like go after the limbs and you're just setting up for submissions and stuff like that. And she has that crazy looking submission um that like, where she like puts you in like the it looks like almost like a like a position for a um what do they call it the air raid crash um but like then she like locks your leg up like behind her head or something like that or something like that it some actually that's probably not what happens but like whatever she locks your leg and your in your head and it's like a cool submission i think i think somebody in new japan does something similar like maybe it looks like you know what it looks like it looks like okada's neckbreaker but as a submission you know what i mean that's what it looks like i could see um, that yeah Something like that, anyway. People will know that reference. Um, I thought uh, Utami did some really good selling here. Um, I wasn't really expecting to see Trish lose on a random episode of Ring of Honor right now with how they've been booking her, but if you put her against the Ace of Stardom, she's got to take a loss. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I hope this is a good sign that we're going to get some more girls from Stardom in the future because I really think they could both benefit the Ring of Honor and AEW Women's Divisions a ton. I've said this for a while. Like, literally, I think the last five weeks in a row, I think I've been saying this, Charlie. Have I not? Like, um, these stardom women could really, really help AEW. Um, and Ray yes, Marvel. and it's it's a whole new eyes to a lot of them too. Oh, 100 percent. And maybe some of them decide to sign with AEW because of that, or something like that. You know, who knows? It's, you never know what happens. Stardom is a really popular promotion. It's one of the most popular promotions in Japan. Period. So you know, um, and uh, yeah, we had Dalton Castle take on Shane Taylor in the finals of the you know uh, Ring of Honor television championship like mini little eliminator tournament deal thing that they did the last couple weeks um actually just last weeks last two weeks um and uh the crowd was really into this match there were some really really good strength spots from dalton uh it was a really good match overall and uh you know dalton castle getting shane taylor up for any move let alone the bang rang is just insane you know and it actually looked awesome and i picked up a nice little win over shane taylor there and uh you charlie you messaged me talking about this match and just you know what, what were you thinking about this this week yeah, I was I was really feeling this one, and you know, Shane Taylor, uh, he was hit by the bangerang from Dalton Castle, and my God, just executed perfectly. I just I, I love Dalton Castle, and I want to see him on AEW. You know, I I wonder he he's one of the first guys that's been an ROH main that I really want to see on AEW because I just feel like he will flourish, honestly. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, James Stone take on Josh Woods, um, and uh, it was not long. It was this is a little, I'll read exactly verbatim what I wrote in my notes. Not the longest or best match I've seen from Woods. There you go. Um, so those are two facts about that match. I, there you go. Um, <laughs> it was certainly a match. Uh, and then after this, we had a segment backstage with Tony Khan, who was arguing with Athena about making the Willow versus Athena match for Death Before Dishonor official. Tony was like, nah, dude, you lost. I, and you said you he didn't reference that, but like I didn't expect them to either because it was like a one-off promo segment thing, you know? 
It's like, yeah, I know everyone wants to see the rubber match and she beat you in the tournament. And we're obviously not going to book her to do anything else right now. So she's getting a title shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so. This is the way. And then, uh, so yeah, that was like, uh, well, he, so it, actually to correct myself here, he spoke to Willow first, telling her that she would probably get a match. And then and she, Athena was like, dude, no. And he was like, yeah, actually, I'm the boss. So, um, because at first it was just Jerry Lynn and um, uh, Stokely, I believe that was she was arguing with, but both Stokely and Jerry Lynn had already sided with Willow, and then they brought in Tony Khan to be the final decision, basically. So I like that they like he lays the they law. actually did that, you know. And then we rolled straight from that into Athena versus Nikita in a Ring of Honor Women's World Championship Proving Ground match. Um, this was not a very long match. There wasn't much to it. Uh, I think uh, Nikita got a little bit of stuff in and instantly and, and Athena was like, just like sitting in the corner and she was like smacking her on the head. Like, yo, bite me. So she did. And she had a forearm and one, two, three GGs. Um, and then she did some post-match ground and pound, um, which was, I liked that. It was different than her hitting her with the belt every time. See, this is something that they can do. They can do this. They don't have to use the spray cans every time. They don't have to use the belt every time. Not that those are bad. And by the way, the belt thing I liked a lot more than stupid spray cans, you know, but like, um, you can do different things as a heel. You can. Yeah. And Athena has proven that she does all kinds of different things. Anyway, she did the crazy shit with the steps at different points. Like she knows. So she, she knows the vibe, like the belt shots are cool, but you know, use them sparingly. Don't, don't burn that idea out, you know, get it. You know, keep it, keep some heat on it. Um, the righteous took on the boys. Um, the righteous actually got some cheers here, which I was surprised by. Um, but I guess when your act is good, it gets over. You know what I mean? So whether they're baby faces or heels doesn't really change their characters. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of the great thing about them and like Bray Wyatt and the kinds of gimmicks like this is you can kind of play it both ways. You know what I mean? Depending on how the crowd feels and what actions you choose to have the wrestlers take in order to win, you know? Um, yeah. I do think they will still be heels, though, based on how things went at Death Before Dishonor. Uh, we had Nicole Matthews. Um, oh, and uh, oh, oh, when Uno came out with uh, with the AR again and tried to gun down the Righteous, but they managed to get away this time. <laughs> um, so, you know, keeping keeping the lore alive. Them motherfuckers. Um, Nicole Matthews took on Layla Hirsch. It was really quick. Um, I thought they had like a smidge of chemistry, though, so maybe they could run this back like with some time if they want to bring Nicole Matthews back. I think she was like a like a Ring of Honor Women's Division veteran or something like that or something, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, um, it might have been a different person in a different match. It could be. Um, we had some matches confirmed for Death War Dishonor at this point in the show. And then in the main event of the evening, we had the Kingdom versus Darius and Andretti versus the Workhorsemen versus the Bollywood Boys. Love seeing the Bollywood Boys back in Ring of Honor. Please keep bringing them back. I like me some Herb and Gerv. Um... And Four Corners tag matches are kind of weird for me. I think they're growing on me slowly over time because AEW does them and does them well a lot more than the WWE ever did. Um, but uh, basically, the purpose of the match was Kingdom pick up a win heading into the pay per view. Um, you know, got to get your your challengers some wins potentially going into the to the championship match again. This Ring of Honor card for Death Before Dishonor was a bit rushed in terms of what they had to do. They had to set up a lot of it this week and the week before, so. Um, but we did have a little bit of a Ring of Honor show this week, so 21 wasn't like yeah. spectacular. Um, oh, and the other thing, and I'll talk about this as well on Death Before Dishonor. Um, I like the focus on just having pure rules matches. It can make you your, your Ring yes. of Honor TV kind of unique if you do that. You know, if you have pure rules matches, because there's something that you're only going to really get in Ring of Honor. So, well put, well put, and yeah, that'll take us right into Death Before Dishonor. So, um, 
Zero Hour, we had a pure rules match of Josh Woods defeating Trace Williams. I'm always a fan of Josh Woods picking up some victories. I, I like him a lot in the pure division in Ring of Honor. And yeah. Um, I like Hot Sauce making the pape. Yes, yes. Action Andretti and Darius Martin defeated the Workhorse Men, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. The Workhorse Men are just, they, they know their role, right? These two teams deserve so, to be on the pre-show at the absolutely. very least on this pay-per-view. They've been doing work all fucking month. Yeah, so that's a nice touch. And uh, a third match, we had Layla Hirsch defeat Trish Adora. I love these two making the pay-per-view. 100%. Even, again, Trish, obviously been very key to the infantry stuff as well as she's been one of the key women that's been featured besides like Athena and Willow and... Um, uh, and a few others, you know, um, but, um, and then Layla made a big return recently. It was a huge part of the angle with the kingdom. So, you know, these two are so talented. I could see this being a future world championship match, whether it's, I hope it is dude. Ring I hope that's Layla's trajectory right now. I mean, obviously I yeah. hope it's Trish's as well, but I think it's Trish's a lot clearer because she's been around for a little bit longer recently, but I think. I think Trish has to challenge, especially with the infantry getting his... Because the infantry are starting to get over, man. I can tell, I'm can tell. i telling you, the Ring of Honor crowd's starting to really get behind them, I think. You can feel it! And then our last zero-hour match, we had A.R. Fox defeat Shane Taylor. Very, very high-quality match. Um, Shane Taylor is, is... Shane Taylor's on fire. Honestly, he's fucking cooking on another level. And... Air Fox, we, he's got a big dynamite match this upcoming week too against uh, Orange Cassidy. So, yeah, um, I really, really like this. Agreed. I, I really enjoyed this match as well. Um, Shane Taylor's been killing motherfuckers lately, dude. What is going on? He's pissed. Someone owes him lunch money. I, Definitely, bro. I don't know. I think it was Ar Fox, bro. I think he's been trying to get at him. He needed the pay per view to get it. Um. He said, I'm going to collect my, my lunch money in the goddamn winner's purse. No, but <laughs> but um, AR did his flippy stuff, obviously. I thought this was the best match in the pre-show. Um, oh, by a mile. And yes. Fox literally Death Valley drivered himself out of the ring at one point. So that was awesome. And that takes us to the actual Death Before Dishonor. And if you guys haven't seen this yet, very enjoyable show. And we opened up with Gravity defeating Commander, who was out there with Alex Abrahentis. And I thought uh, the man that pack forgot. Yeah, the man that pack forgot. I I really enjoyed this match. We had some some high flying lucha action, and uh, Bandito. You telling me it's coincidence? Pack and Gravity come back in the same two weeks? Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, uh, there's something on the walls. There, I, I smell it. And Gravity definitely the biggest spot of his career. And I I am a firm fucking believer in Commander. I think this guy is awesome. I glaze him up every week on the show, and I just thought you put him in spots that zero build to this match, it didn't matter. They got the crowd fucking reacting, and the talent, that's the theme of this night, by the way. The talent worked their fucking ass off. What else did you think of this one? It it was announced after this that Pac would wrestle Gravity on Dynamite. Yeah, Gravity is just like crazy lucha chaos. That's the only way I can describe him. Um and commanders like you said, just super incredible. They had to really get back and forth. I'm I'm really not sure what Gravity's gimmick is at this point. I don't I don't know, but I dig it. I'm interested. So that that's enough for me. 
we have the ROH World Television Match, where Samoa Joe defeated Dalton Castle. This is a little bit more of a slower build to this match, like during the match, but the crowd ended up really getting into Castle. Bro, I, I was shocked. We got some new champ chance. That was I wasn't expecting them to, him to be that. I mean, he's over, but like I didn't expect him to be thinking he was going to win. That's pretty crazy. I think live crowds really love Dalton Castle. And it just, you know, we kind of end here with Joe menacing uh, fucking uh, Stokely. Like, just, <laughs> he, he fucking, like, grabs him by the throat. And and, uh, and then they kind of, in a way, cheat and let Joe kick Castle on the fucking peacock. And the rest is history. I mean. <laughs> right in the yam bag. This was uh, Joe's 13th t- uh, successful title defense. And. As Kenny would say, right in the nards. Give me a give me a rematch now. We have reason for a rematch. I know. Imagine setting up the match rematch in the match so that you don't have to like be like, oh, he doesn't have to go to the back of the line because we don't like him. So you know. Then, my God. Oh, also, side note: that was one of Joe's better matches in a while, in my opinion. Yes, in a in a very up and down title match, a title uh, defenses. What's the term there? Yeah, so so with Roddy Joe or sorry Roddy Joe Roddy and Roddy Punk and and uh and Castle now I think he's the last three matches he's had spectacular you know what I mean We're not getting any more of those Christopher Daniels matches <clears throat> All right um ROH World Tag Team Title Four Way Match Holy fuck First of all Aussie Open is back Mark Davis is back he got a nice pop and they're the new ROH World Tag Team Champions they defeated the Lucha Bros, oh, yeah, best friends, and the Kingdom. And my God, did the Kingdom earn that spot? This match was fucking incredible. Why is it that these tag divisions, every show they go on, it doesn't fucking matter. They go out there, they work their ass off, and they try and put on the best match possible. This this is how it felt at that Impact Multiverse of Mayhem. Like this this match on the card, it wasn't anywhere near the top, but they fucking made it. That's just the talent of tag team wrestling right now. Like, it's it's on another level. You might say the Aussie level. I don't fucking know. Aussie opens back. They're fucking champions, dude. How are you feeling about this? And are you fucking kidding me? How fucking awesome. Can I just say side note? I love that the, 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 it's not like Tope, but like the, 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 whatever the dive over the ropes that Matt Taven does is called the Flight of the Conqueror, bro. That's such a fucking cool name for a move, bro. It really is. <laughs> He's Matt Taven. He, he might need to be Ring of Honor World Champion here soon. You know what I mean? Like uh, maybe not. Obviously not soon because he's a heel. But like whoever beats Claudio, maybe has to lose to Matt Taven, man, because he's just on fire lately. You know, I you I can noticed run that him. Story back with him too, dude. Oh, with him with, with him and Claudio, or or what are you saying? Like him in the world title? Oh yeah, right, right, years. right, right. Yeah, because they they used to he used to be a, a contender. You know what I mean? Like he used to be like one of those dudes. He was a very leading guy in Ring of Honor at points when they're you know it's like the Briscoes and and the Kingdom were like the two that really kind of just like stuck around. They're like, nah, we're we're gonna do our thing here. You know, he he was wasn't he part of like the Righteous at one point too as well. Like, um, they keep mentioning that I feel like, and I feel like I don't remember ever hearing. Yes, that. yeah, he was. He okay, was. yeah. So God, can you imagine if they ran that back with Stu now, dude. Oh my. Anyway, um, so, yeah, um. That being said, Lucha Bros title reign, man. Uh, oh, yeah, let's hit it. Bit of a weird one, right? They won the title of that Supercard of Honor, and yet we never really saw them on Ring of Honor TV defending them. They did. They defended them twice. Uh, they defended them a week after they won them against QTV. Powerhouse Hobbs and QT Marshall battled the belt six. 
And then they defended him on a random dynamite 190 from Las Vegas against Claudio and Wheeler Yuta. I just, I think. What is Aussie not Open, clicking about the Lucha Bros title reigns, bro? I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I think Aussie Open's going to be on ROH more, and we're going to enjoy their title reign more. This was just, you know, it was, hey, let's put the titles on high prolific guys. Hindsight's 2020. I, and I think you're with me, we still probably would have tossed them on the kingdom. I mean, yeah, it was cool to put them on the Lucha Bros, but I think the kingdom, even then, you know. Oh, yeah, during the, um, what is it, the uh, Reach for the Sky Ladder match? Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I mean, because they were so you know, hot we on really Ring of Honor at the time. They were just, but, you know, I'll give you this. At the time on Ring of Honor, probably the kingdom was only the really, over, only really overact besides Athena. So that's probably fair, you know what I mean? But leading us here, honestly, though, if you're going to put it on Aussie Open, I kind of would have rather had a singles match, or singles match, you know, a two-on-two match between the two teams because you just imagine that match maybe that's what you do now is you run that back on like a ring of honor episode or something i would think because it doesn't seem like ring of honor is playing by aw's rules of title rematches no. anyway like it seems like you can get rematches for your title hey, you know what this means though aussie open's going to travel with collision more too so we could see Agreed. aussie open and fcr really set something up that would be i'm 1000 percent down with that um yeah uh, 112 day title reign again if we're on a grading scale, it's not an A or a B. So I don't, I don't really know where to rank it. The title defenses were fine, but they just never showed up. So you get, I got nothing. Um, we then jump to the six man tag match where we had Master Wado, Rezuki Taguchi, and Leon Ruffin uh, get defeated by the Mogul Embassy. Huh. By the way, that that team of Master Wado and Rezuki Taguchi—that's a—that's a good. I like that team. Love seeing Master Wado on an ROH pay-per-view. Um, the result was never in doubt, but I thought everyone tried their hardest. Any any thoughts you had on this? And uh, Oh, I guess Wado and Taguchi have held the junior tag titles in the past, so that's cool. Yeah, there you go. So I would like to see that team maybe... Obviously, again, New Japan's got a weird state with like the Bullet Club and all that right now, but if there's an opportunity for them to win the junior tags, I'd like to see that team win that at some point. Um so they noted a fact that the longest male win streak in singles action ring of honor right now is brian cage so that's a fact what do you think of big bill backstage what do you think that was about you think he's joining them i really hope not i I really like him and lee together boy yeah i I don't know i really hope he doesn't leave lee behind because lee i think those guys are already done probably that sucks it's been a few weeks you know yeah, no, you're probably right. Honestly, if you haven't seen him together in a while, it's probably true. Hopefully, that means Lee's going to be like in the world title. I'll tell you this: something. I can get down with some Big Bill on Ring of Honor because maybe that means Lee goes back to like AEW, but it also could mean that he goes into like the Ring of Honor World Division or something. Like that would be good. Hey, yeah. babyface Lee versus—I know he's technically been a heel, but like they can build him back up as a babyface on Ring of Honor TV a little bit, you know. Uh, that would be a smart call. Yes. And then have it, it off back. of um, Claudio. And then maybe Matt Taven takes it off of him after like a couple months. You know what I mean? Like that could be that that could be your path right there to keep a ring of honor semi-interesting with your world champions. Because once Claudio leaves, it's going to be a big, you know, difference in the quality of champion, no matter who it is. You know what I mean? Just because Claudio's runs as ring of honor champion right now would be ridiculous, you know? Um, oh, but shit, you kind of have to get back to Eddie eventually. Yeah, so it's probably not going to be anytime soon. Eh, whatever. There's options. This doesn't have to be right away. So. We got options. And- um... But yeah, so this was the only match I wasn't like over the moon about, but I was very excited to see Master Wado. So I had a little personal. I kind of wish the embassy had won the the singles or not the singles. I wish that maybe and maybe you could have done all the same stuff, but you wouldn't be able to do the the 
reach for the sky maybe but um but i i kind of wish the embassy forever ago had won the actual tag titles because i think i much would have enjoyed this title reign a lot more if it was just if it was just toa and and con man i don't think brian cage is dragging it that much down for me but i just think this team in this trio format is just not clicking for me you know like oh this six-man tag division is in the fucking shits the the trios match we care about is not this you know what i mean so hundred percent. So yeah, it's, I don't know. it's, it's a really weird scenario, but maybe that'll, maybe we'll get our next challenger out of it. I, don't hey, know. I like Leon Ruffin getting on the pay-per-view though. Same. Uh, oh my God. It's not the pure title match. Shibata defeated Daniel Garcia. I mean, look, Daniel Garcia is one of our pillars, right? We have known for a long time how good he is, but this story that they're telling of him being an entertainer in the eyes of the wrestler is like, it's so fucking beautiful. Is it safe to say he's a pro wrestling prodigy at age 25? I don't think it's just, I don't think it's just safe to say that. I think, I think it's like, it's just a fact at this point. I think he's further along than any of the other pillars. It's just kind of crazy. I'll tell you this. Because Ricky's had a world title shot, and it was deserved. But I think he's further along than Ricky even at this point in terms of his just ability. I think he's just been... Ability in the ring, yes. I I think even... I think if Danny was given the opportunity to speak more, we could see how good he is. I think he stumbles in some moments when, like, he's... I think think we need Danny to go off on his own. I think even the Sammy Guevara thing, it's cool, but I think both of those guys would benefit from being on their own. I'm going to be honest with you, because their singles matches are both two of the best matches in the company usually so and especially if you're gonna have danny focus on you know ring of honor right now um i think it makes a lot of sense to um to have them like to have the jas end really and to have danny and and, jas needs to end yeah and so but like just so much really good just pure pure wrestling not just because it was a pure title match but they did all that stuff yes and this is without a doubt shibata's best match since his injury. It was a fucking pure rules match as well. So there they are limited. Theoretically. You're limited too. And I just. And that's the difference. So that's what I think. It's limiting. Yes. But I think. I think people like Nigel. And, and Brian Danielson. Have proven over the years. That while it's limiting. It could also open up. So many more possibilities for you. And I feel like these guys. Really took advantage of a lot of that here. They did. And I just thought this was fucking brilliant. Um, by the way, how long has it been since you saw a fucking bridging hammer lock? By the way, I I couldn't tell you. This flowed like this flowed like butter. It flowed like butter. Um, you now, if you guys have ever, I know there's some people out there that don't care for pure rules, and you know maybe you're just picking around on matches for Death for Dishonor. Seriously, watch this man. Like you will not regret it. I promise you. Um. Uh, Garcia uh, lost to the penalty kick. Um, hey, but he backstage. danced as he went down to that to that submission. Oh, he fucking did. He fucking did. Lexi Nero's with Aussie Open. They were bragging about their victory and said that they would run the world. Goddamn right you do, boys. And I'm going to let you take it away on this one, all right? Oh, yeah. This Fight is... Without Honor, The Dark Order versus The Righteous and Stu Grayson. G- just give me it all. A hundred percent. And I'm going to throw something at you right away that I'm not sure you were expecting. I don't think this is over, Charlie. I don't think this was the end. I, think I don't this think was, so either. I think this was just the beginning. Um, so first, right off the rip, we get the Righteous coming out. 
Stu has fully embraced the dark side. He's wearing the white righteous gear. He's, oh. ta- he's talking. And in the interview they did earlier, you, we, we skipped over, but they did an interview segment backstage. He was chirping Evil Uno and all them and talking oh, shit. so good. He, he has fully embraced the dark side, which is what I was hoping for. And so have the Dark Order. The Dark Order come out. We have... We have uh, uh, Silver and Reynolds in their old school Dark Order masks, which felt appropriate for this match, you know? Um, and I love that. So, and immediately, right off the gate, we get an immediate spot between Stu and Uno staring each other down. And immediately, he spears, sorry, Stu spears Uno through uh, the ropes, through a table. And we're off to the races from there. Um, within like like five minutes of that, we had like uh, two two by fours. John Silver pulls out one, and then fucking Dutch pulls out one that has goddamn barbed wire on it. And and Silver is just like, well, and he drops his because he's like, well, that one's better, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then immediately we get Dutch busted open. We got some thumbtacks introduced to the wing ring. The crowd was going insane during this match. We got the We Want Fire chant back. That we oh, we didn't even mention that they had a We Want Fire chat during fucking Blood and Guts. Dude, that's right. They did. They chanted, We want fire during this match as well. Dude, people were getting fucking thrown into glass and they're chanting, We want tables. That crowd wanted death. That, and then they shouted, We want fire and they wanted fire in this match as well. I, I hope that chant sticks around. I hope it, because we have had fire in AEW before, so it'll only be a matter of time before we get fire again, you know? Um, unless that was just a one off thing because I helped burnt Cody up, but I hope it wasn't. Um,. But, By the way, that was my favorite podcast title ever was Brandy Rhodes set, Sets Husband on Fire. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she literally did. Um, we were literally both watching that episode live, too. And I remember the, I was like, they lit the table on fire. And I remember messaging you like, what is what are we watching right now? <laughs> what is happening? But it was awesome. Um, yeah, And uh, and this is something I wrote in my notes because it sounds metal as fuck. Uh, the righteous bathe in their own in the Dark Order's blood. Um, the match itself was pretty metal. And then the most metal spot happened, Charlie. We already have thumbtacks in the ring. We already have barbed wire two by fours. We've already had table spots. We've already had all kinds of crazy stuff. I think there was a steel chair at some point, probably. And then Evil Uno does the most sinister thing this entire match. He pulls out another, another thing. So the thumbtacks are usually in like a little burlap sack. He pulls out another one, Charlie. And I was thinking, wait, wait, is this going to be glass? No, the Legos. And uh, you are a son of a bitch. Legos and thumbtacks. Legos is one thing. Thumbtacks is another thing. Together, that's just evil. I guess that's why they call him Evil Uno. Um. So God anyway, damn it. Oh, and then uh, one of my favorite spots of the match. Uh, so Silver pulled like a young bucks, and he grabbed a boot full of silver, or th- full of silver, th- full of thumbtacks, and he started uh, doing his like. Brian Danielson almost style like kicks to the chest, and that is just a brutal spot that I believe um it wasn't Dutch. It was um vi- sorry, it wasn't Vincent, it was Dutch, I believe, right? That took the spot. Um Yeah. Um sorry, so it was Vincent that was uh no, sorry, oh, it was Vincent, wasn't it? Actually, I can't remember. Vincent's the uh smaller one, right? Yes, Vincent's sorry, got Vincent really okay, hair. it was him that took the spot because he kept saying, Do it! You know this is what I wanted. Something like that. He screams at Silver to just murder him, basically. And uh, that was pretty fucking awesome. I, I, and then, so then, the final, like, nail in the coffin, if you will, in this match. There had been a couple of tables set up outside a ring. And Stu grabs a fucking ladder from outside the ring and sets Uno up on it. 
Uno then gets up off the table before Stu can climb up and end everybody's lives. And then Stu gets tipped off the ladder through the tables and just dies. I'm pretty sure Stu's dead. I don't think we're seeing Stu ever again. Uh, he's dead. Look at um, Evil Uno, murdering. Yeah, Evil Uno. And then uh, the end of the, obviously the final spot of the match was Evil Uno pulling out the AR and taking care of business. No, um. Taking care of business. <laughs> anyway. Headshot. Um, I don't remember how they got the pin, but the Dark Order ended up picking up the win here, which was the right move after this story. And I don't know where things are going, but it feels like, it still feels like the fucking right just have them where they yeah. want them, even though they won. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. They hit so. uh, Stu with that Ragnarok, I believe, into the tax. Oh, yeah. That's so. right. Oh, brutal spot. Yeah. Really nice stuff. Um, Just a really fun match. And one of my favorite stories going on Ring of Honor right now. And I, like I said, I really hope it's not over. It doesn't seem like it is, but it could be. You know, this is I'll the kind of match. I'll go further. I'll go one step. I'll, one of my favorite stories in wrestling right now. That's genuinely. fair. It's honestly like, up there for me. I, I'd have to really think about that because I there's honestly like a couple in, in New Japan right now that are really get also for some reason have my attention. But like, I, I'm with you. I think it's definitely one of the best. And. Uh, yeah, man, just a really fun match. Just in the middle of the show, you know, like, and then we go straight into our our two main events after this. Just so yeah, I'll take the first main event, and then I'll toss it to you for the second. So our first main event, we had the ROH World Championship match where we had Claudio Casanoli defeat Pack, and I, God, did you feel the fucking heat in this match? The uh, both men, like in terms of your baby face and heel. Like, both of these guys are, like, fucking gray Jedis almost. Like, the, the area's muddied. And, like, it's just fucking cool. Um, Hard-hitting. Very smartly worked, right? Like, there was a, a, a fucking spot where Claudio literally threw Pack out of the fucking wrestling ring through a table. Um, Very high-level wrestlers. Claudio's ninth defense. Probably one of his best ones, right? It's up there. It's up there, so and again that table was out there for a while. Um I just I really like this, man. And that's kind of been my favorite thing about ROH, and especially when we get the ROH pay-per-views, is the talent they care about what they're wrestling for. And is it fair to say you can feel that? Like you can feel that the talent cares. No, hundred percent. Like those first couple of like months, I don't even a couple months. The first month, no, we've had a couple months now. Yeah, the first couple months of Ring of Water, it kind of felt like they weren't quite sure what they wanted to do, you know. Um, and I noticed this because obviously I was taking a lot of really precise, you know, notes, and I was really paying attention, obviously as I do every week with Ring of Honor. But I was really paying attention for the first couple of weeks because I wanted to see what they were trying to go for. And it felt like for a little bit they didn't quite know if this was going to be dark light, you know what I mean, essentially, or if this was going to be – or maybe dark pro. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like an upgrade from dark basically, you know, or if it was going to yeah. be its own show. And I'm very glad they decided to make its own show because this pay-per-view benefited from that. Even though it was a little rushed, it still felt like we had enough stuff from what's been going on in Ring of Honor that it felt like this show's paper – like this this TV shows, even though it's on streaming pay-per-view, you know, like – very well put, and I look forward to seeing what's next for both talents. So, hundred um, percent. I I don't know what they're gonna. I'm I'm curious because it's weird because Pac comes in for the pop pack 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 comes in for these one shots, kind of like the, he'll do like a week or two, you know, back to back. Like obviously he's gonna be back this week. I hope we're getting a little run out of him like we did with his feud with Orange Cassidy. Dude, I'll tell you this, man. If if we decide, this is another option. I mean, we I tossed this out there and we were doing our all-in predictions like four months ago, three months ago, whenever it was announced. 
if if we decide to keep MGF and Adam Cole together and we're looking for an MGF opponent, MGF pack, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. And then you could still run MGF. You could do the winner faces CM Punk in his hometown of Chicago. Just use the real champion, right? And just yeah. have MJF win and then face Punk. I mean, which we'll get into, but I think fucking MJF. MJF's our champ, right? He's got to win, but that's a whole fucking... That'll be a... You know what, though? That's I, our next story. I don't know so. if we need Wheeler to make a distraction here. I get it, but like, I don't think we needed that for this finish. I think if you just had a finish to this match, it would have been fine. We, I don't... we didn't need it, but I think it ties that idea that Wheeler and Claudio are attached at the hip. Yeah, no, 100%. These if hey, if the, the combat friends. club falls apart after Blood and Guts, which it could, you know what I mean? Um, then it would make sense that those two stick together because, um, uh, you know, I, it would just make sense because how much they they spent, you know, they're always a duo whenever one of them is wrestling, the other one's usually there. So After the match, Death Triangle reunite. They beat down Claudio and Yuta until best friends make the save. Orange Cassidy came out to help the best friends. He hit an orange punch on Yuta. Yuta ducked. Claudio took the shot. I mean, if that wasn't clear, I, we're going to get Orange Cassidy and Claudio, aren't we? Oh, 100%. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Count me in. And then the main event, the ROH Women's World Title Match. Athena, Willow Nightingale. I'll just say this real quick. I think that they deserved... To get the main event. Oh, yes. And I think they took advantage of that. What yes. did you think? Just just give me everything from this match. and, and Yep. 100%. I, okay, so, I think uh, the world is believing in Athena's title right now. Like, it's time that everyone's stepping in. Yeah, no. This is the time when we, we stand behind Athena and we say, this chick has been killing it on her own, running this show. This has been her show since Jump and Ring of Honor on Honor Club. And prior to that, when she was still champion already. This has been her show. 1,000%. Um... And I think the promo package for this match reflected that. She is a legendary champion that you now have to knock off. You're not just trying to beat a champion now. You're trying to beat fucking Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to beat the unbeatable, whoever that is. You know what I mean? Like, um, and it's not an undefeated streak. She's lost a match in a while, but she has lost matches. She lost a willow in the tournament. You know what I mean? Um, she's not indestructible. She's not indestructible, but she is almost impossible to beat. So you have to come in on your best to beat her. And I feel like I got that across in here, but I also got across that Willow might be that kryptonite because she's been beating people that she's not supposed to beat, you know, like, um, you know, they didn't say this in it, but I felt like if, if you pay attention to what she's been doing, she beat Mercedes again, it wasn't planned, but like she beat Mercedes, you know what I mean? So that's yeah. an opponent. She's probably not supposed to beat. She's also beaten some other legit, credible people in the past. So I think, this was just such a great setup for this match. And this match was historic. Like you said, they got the main event. This is the first time the women have ever ring of honor. This is the first time the women have ever ring of The first time the ring of honor women have ever made event to the pay-per-view. There we go. I was trying to say that a different way and it just would not come out. All right. Um, we also had the new champ chant here as well. Uh, Athena's entrance with just the fucking angels wings on her back. Just fucking incredible. Um, the pop for Willow also just nuts. Um, and I, I, I said something to you, Charlie, it was really difficult for me to take notes during this match. Cause I was just so drawn in. I really enjoyed everything yeah. they were doing. They sold the shit out of each other's moves and the crowd was going insane. Um, there was a spot that I did write down, which was this spot called obliteration, which just looks like, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it's a fucked ass spot. It, it, it it's obliteration. Um, 
and it fucking went perfectly though like it looked like everything went perfectly and then they had a really incredible sequence to finish this one off um there was a couple times when she was setting up for the babe with the power bomb i'm like oh are we getting it uh, nope, 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 nope. yeah um and there was part of me that believed that willow could win here athena has had a couple of points in her title reign early there was a couple times and now it feels like even with the story that they've been booking that there's somebody that could come along and beat her maybe it should have been willow but you know it there's nothing that says it can't still be willow down the line it's kind of mm-hmm. tough because like i was thinking about this all your champions in ring of honor right now except for Aussie Open, are heels, right? So, like, you, you kind of have to play, like, if that's what you want it to stay, then it's, like, you know, it's tough to, to crown new champions. But um, but at the same time, uh, Athena is just also the most, like, interesting thing on Ring of Honor right now, so I don't know how you take it off, or it's really tough. Yeah, no, uh, no. In, in a landscape where we had champions not showing up, and, you know, they're, they're AEW talent, so they're not obligated to, but they're champions in Ring of Honor. Athena was there every week, and she's only been getting better. I, I bearing Jamie Hader returns and has like multiple fucking classics. It's pretty clear Athena's our women's wrestler of the year, and it's seven months into the year, and it's it, she is just on another fucking realm. Like honestly, there was something from this match that I thought was really cool, and I couldn't pick up on it a hundred percent then but we do know now kind of what, what it was like. Ian was doing a good job explaining it to us, but there was this kind of these back-to-back segments where they were giving shout outs to the women that built uh, women of honor. And it was, it was really neat. So we now have like who, who like moves they were doing. Right. Um, so Nightingale hit the smash mouth, which was done by Sumi Sakai. Athena then, um, she hit a Royal Butterfly, which was Sarah Del Rey, old finisher. We had a Snapmare Driver. Uh, It was a heart punch into a Snapmare Driver from Athena, which was Daisy Hayes' old finisher. And then we had Nightingale hit a Spinning DDT, which was Mickey James' finisher. She's in Ring of Honor. Um, And then uh, Mischief's old finisher, the Obliterator, was hit by Athena. So... Went back. I want to make sure we, because I thought that was really neat. And dude, how much did the crowd care about this? I mean, holy fuck, they were on their feet. I loved having Willow's family in the front row too. By the way, that was cool. Yeah, that was Mage good. Thinks you might win. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's part of the reason why I was like, oh yeah, I, they they broke the rule. That that must only apply to AEW, you know, like. Um... And even then, it probably isn't like just like a rule. It's probably just like most of the time people win in front of their family because it just usually makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, but um, yeah, I mean, just really, really fun pay-per-view. I really enjoyed it. It was a really nice way to end the week out, uh, off on on Friday. I had a blast watching it and just a, what a what an incredible match from Athena and Willow. Yeah, they really went out there and put on a hell of a show. Um, I mean, it's it's got to be one of Athena's best matches, like, and Willow's, right? So just, seriously. Yeah, Willow's putting in a really strong argument for Women's Wrestler of the Year, especially with what she's been oh, doing she outside is. AEW. She absolutely is. Um, It's really nice to see uh see the reaction. If we had, now, thankfully, Athena has been in enough AEW that we'll have to consider her as well, but fuck, Willow's up there, too. Like, if you, if you take into account 
what Willow has done, and I know we're not supposed to do this outside of AEW. Like, who's having a better year in AEW than her right now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, the only, honestly, the only contender would be Athena. So it's really cool. And then you put those two together and they have such a special match, right? So, all right. So I'm going to jump through and run through some Dynamite and Rampage results, then we'll toss it back to you for a collision. And yeah, we've talked about a lot of ramp of uh, dynamite, uh, but we opened up with kind of the the death of Jungle Boy. This was not by Evil Uno. This was done by Jack Perry. But Jack we didn't actually Perry, see Jungle Boy die, so it could have been Uno. It could have been. You know what? I shouldn't. I shouldn't say it was, but it, it could have been. But we're led to believe Jack Perry killed Jungle Boy, buried him in a fucking grave in the desert. Limousine pulled up. He steps in. He walks out to his new music, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, the Phantom of the Opera, if you will, where Jack Perry then wrestles Hook. This is for the FTW Championship. Um, Hook immediately just goes after Jack Perry. Jack's bailing outside. And I got to tell you, the energy that these two portrayed in this match I thought it was needed because this crowd was fucking hot and ready and they're just wanting to get the blood and guts. And you know that as a wrestler, right? You have to know that. Like, they're here for blood and guts. Let's get going. We got to make them care about us too. I want to be, you know. Um, Jack Perry's getting eye rakes. Uh, the crowd is fucking booing Perry out of the building. And long, the, the story of this match is the FTW Championship itself kind of being used as a prop. Perry ends up grabbing the FTW title, bringing it to the ring. Paul Turner tries to take it from him. He gets sandwiched instead. Hook had a head and arm suplex. Had the visible pin. The ref is down. Hook went to revive the official. Perry grabbed the FTW title. Cracked Hook over the skull. He draped an arm over Hook with this fucking sinister little smile. He got the win. Jack Perry is a fucking champion. Hook's undefeated streak is dead, just like Jungle Boy. And... I, I mean, look, this is a fun route to go. And in a very important singles match for each of them, I think they both delivered. And 100%. This has to be, I, I would say this is Hook's best match and one of Jungle Boy's best matches this year. And that's, and that's by the way, his Christian Cage match was great. You know what I mean? But Phenomenal. I think, I think way better than I would have thought Christian Cage could do in, in 2023. Nothing against Christian Cage. He's just a little older. You know what I mean? But Jungle Boy got a good match out of him or he got a good match out of Jungle Boy either or whatever you want to say. But this, I think, is probably Jungle Boy's second or maybe even his best match this year. Like, it was pretty up there. Like, because he got a really good match out of Hook, which again, not saying Hook can't have a good match. He obviously can. He has before, but... Hook's been like these. He's. I feel like he's only gone like ten minutes with most people, you know. So like, I don't really yeah. know what he can do. We had know? we had legit distance in this match with Hook. So, cool. Oh yeah, hundred cool percent. And I've see. been saying for for a while now on this podcast that I hate undefeated streaks. And like, thank God, all the undefeated streaks I think are gone now. You know, like. Yeah, I can't think of any happening right now. If there are, it's like, like somebody who very, happens to have one, like who just started yeah. recently. Like Ty Valkyrie. No, she's lost. Yeah, somebody like who just recently started. That's all I can think. But the or who, who got injured in the middle of a streak. You know what I mean? But hey, we don't um, have one with Nick Wayne. <laughs> yeah, no, Nick Wayne lost his so. first match. Maybe they're learning their lesson, man. Maybe undefeated streaks aren't the wisest move. I mean, they do find. I do say this all the time. They make it hard to book around, a, 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 especially a champion. You know what I mean? Like. Christ, it, I mean, it worked out for Jade, but not everyone's Jade. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
not everyone visually looks that dominant compared to other people. So it's a, it's a tough thing to track. Um, Alex Marvez, the, the kind of a running story here where he's tracking Chris Jericho and Don Cal's having a meal together. Um, MJF, Adam Cole shenanigans, Alex Marvez again, outside the arena, uh, waiting for Don Cal's limousine to pull up. He arrived with Jericho. Marvez asked if Jericho made a decision with both of them calling a fat headed idiot. Britt Baker, DMD, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, my bad, defeats Kayla Sparks. Quick match. She's back on track. She's back on the winning track after uh, being eliminated in the tournament. Sling blade, double underhook, suplex, lockjaw, quick victory. They had to get a women's match on the show. Uh, Renee Paquette backstage. Oh, we already talked about that. Uh, Chris Jericho joined commentary. Oh, and that was just um, before the Adam Cole and MJF match, which we've already talked about. Yada, yada, yada. Not, not to harp on this, but remember, remember last year or two years ago and whatever it was now when we had Adam Cole and Britt Baker face like whoever it was? Like, that was fun. Like, they and they crossed over the storylines a little bit and it all made sense and it was fun. Like, why can't we do that again? People hated it and they shit on it. So I don't know. I don't know. They, they even did a couple months ago. So we just got to see. We got to wait and see what happens. You, they can always write a storyline reason into it. Um... Bridges doesn't like MJF. That I can FTR's believe. FTR's music hit. Dax and, and Cash came to the ring. They had a nice face off. Um, I believe Cash Wheeler said double clothesline my asshole. <laughs> hey yo. I know. Hey yo, indeed. Um Renee was backstage with best friends. Chris Statlander, Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, and Nick Wayne. Nick Wayne. Hold on. Nick, Do, we Nick, Nick. For, Do we have music for Nick Wayne? Yeah. Is it time we is it time we give me son of a bitch? I'm giving this to Nick Wayne. I want to use it again. Oh, oh. <laughs> Nick Wayne is here. Um <laughs> Nick Wayne. Nick um, Wayne. Wayne's world. <laughs> and that's his finish. That's so cool. <laughs> this guy. Uh Paquette uh talked about Alan Wayne being the Royal Rampage. Statler will be facing Marina Shafir. Yada yada yada. Can you give my my good friend, he was homeless, who helped me when I was homeless, AR Fox, a shot? You got it. Cool. Fist bump. Chompy the Shark joined commentary and got shot by Evil Uno. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Uh, Taz said if the shark tossed, if the shark touched him, he's tossing it off the stage. I thought they were about to Why do didn't something. we have that? What the fuck? I, I thought we were about How to hard would it like have that? been to get freaking what's his name? Uh who's the who's the uh the short uh, the guy that used to be partnered with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus? Uh Marco Stunt. Yeah, why how hard would it have been to get Marco Stunt to do a one-off and just get chucked <laughs> off the stage in a shark suit, you know? Right. And then that we covered Blood and Guts, so that was the end of AEW Dynamite. AEW Royal Rampage. All right, we kick us off with the 20-man Royal Rampage Battle Royal. Darby Allen. Um Kicks us off, right? Last man. Okay, Darby, since he was eliminated last, he ends up starting the match. Is that how I'm reading that? I don't know. Darby Allen, Jay Lethal, first two. Swerve Strickland, Nick Wayne, next two in the blue ring. Uh, Minoru Suzuki, number three for the red ring. Brian Cage, number three for the blue ring. Ethan Page, number four for the red ring. Commander, number four for the blue ring. At this point, I'm like, all right, this is... This is kind of giving like us an idea of like AW's mid card, and I'm like, I like where we're sitting right now. I'm enjoying this. The Butcher, number five in the red ring. Big Bill, number five in the blue ring. So Big Bill and uh, Brian. I say my only issue ring. with this match: just a little bit too many big men. Oh yeah, 
but that's eight. okay. You got to they, they're six, mid card, the I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, with uh, the blade number six in the red ring, brothers A number six in the blue ring, Toa Leona number seven in the red ring, Matt Seidel number seven in the blue ring, uh, Bishop Khan number eight, uh, Matt Hardy number eight. Matt Bro, Menard, was there a party that's like, man, is Matt Seidel gonna win this? They've been booking him weird. I. I'm not going to lie. I felt like with them only giving one interview to this and it being to Darby, I felt like he was winning. But, uh, hey, uh, Jeff Jarrett and Matt Menard were at number nine. And Angelo Parker at Blue Ring, number 10. And Jake Hager, the sole, the final entrant with no hat. Son of a bitch. Um, but, yeah, Hager, Cage, and Big Bill got had a big hoss fight in the Blue Ring. Jeff Jarrett watched. Um, Commander helped Bill eliminate Hager. That was kind of cool. I, I I think God, man, I, I Commander works really well in these uh, David versus Goliath kind of matches here. That was what I got gathered out of this side out of his. All of your Pacific Northwest guys just looked so fucking good. Swerve. Hey, Strickland, what's up with my man Darby Isaiah Cassidy Nick getting Queen. the job entrance during the commercial though? Who? Was Isaiah Cassidy not in this match? Yeah, brother. Oh, yeah, brother Zay. Oh, of course, of course, brother Zay. Sorry, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, brother yeah. Zay now, man. Who's Isaiah Cassidy? It's true. It's true. I, you, you are correct. But, um, so Wayne gets into the blue ring. He eliminates Brian Cage. Wayne and Strickland last two in the blue ring. Strickland gets rid of him. Swerve Strickland, Darby Allen, final two. Again. This could be a world title feud one day, and it would be fucking brilliant. Bro, what the – what, dude, did you hear the pop for Daddy Magic, by the way? What the hell? That was random, but I was fucking down. Daddy um, Magic TNT Championship run? So our final two, Swerve charges at Darby Allen, who backdrops him over the top. Allen couldn't knock him to the floor. Prince Nana ran in, hit Allen with a skateboard. Swerve powerbomb Allen under the wheels of the skateboard. Allen hung on when Swerve dumped him over the top. Allen was out on the apron. Swerve came off the top rope with a stomp. Allen blocked it. Swerve went for a suplex. Allen escaped back into the ring, ran the ropes, hit his high-speed tope through the middle of the ropes. Allen and Swerve both crashed the floor. Since Allen went through the middle rope, he was victorious. Honestly, I'm not the biggest Battle Royal guy. I thought this was pretty good and a very fun finish. Having two rings really lets the Battle Royale breathe. In you, know why, the, you know why we don't care about Battle Royals? and why Because they happen, like, I feel like every couple months in the WWE, they have to have one for some title or something or some – maybe not as much anymore, but definitely at one point it felt that way. We, we get, like, three a year, and two of them actually matter, and the Royal Rampage and the over-the-top rope the, for the title shot always matter. You know what I mean? Oh, what is yes. it called? The uh, casino. And this, it Those felt like matter. it mattered, and, you know, fucking awesome finish. I would like to see just another random battle royal. Like, didn't we get one? Yeah, we got one earlier this year for Cassidy's uh, championship, right? That one I would like to see also come back because the international championship battle royal just sounds cool, you know? But uh, Or what did he call it? The blackjack battle royal. I like that idea about that. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same title every year, obviously, but I, I kind of like the idea of that coming back next uh, next double or nothing, you know what I mean? Because um, it was a yeah. good match, and I think it really unexpectedly was a good match. So, and AEW does battle royals well, man. They don't use them that much, so... Charlie, let me ask you a question. Does AEW doing stuff less make it matter more? Um, to a degree, yeah. I mean, right. does it feel more important? Doesn't it feel more important when we only get these matches in certain situations, you know? Yeah, 
Especially if the situation calls for it. Yeah, it does feel more important when that happens. That's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? Agreed. Agreed. Um, we jump to the acclaimed and daddy ass defeating QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Johnny TV. Hardly Cameron was also out there. Uh, Max Caster, you know, he took advantage of uh, the, the, the rap being so late. He uh, he had some some uh, some nice shots at uh, Harley Cameron. He then hands his chain to a kid at the ringside, so he, he's still a baby face. He's going to give a kid his chain. Uh, Marshall's taped up from the ambulance match he had at Triple Mania last weekend, which Jericho did a good job putting that over. And yeah, Billy Gunn got the pin, so nice to see. little collision preview for tomorrow. We have Chris Statlander defeat Marina Shafir to retain her TBS championship match. And we had a sign in the crowd that said, Tony Khan needs a theme song. I've never agreed with a sign more. That guy would bust out some dough for a theme song. Um, Statlander, 7-0 since her return. 13-match win streak overall. Um, yeah, I, I thought this match was fine. It, it was very fast. Again, I wasn't expecting much after the long-ass opening we had. Um, but they got to main event the show. And I thought the match was uh, just perfectly fine. Uh, Statlander hit a discus lariat, hit the Friday Night Fever uh, the second time, and got the pinfall. So Statlander's kind of running shit with the TBS title, and that'll take us to AEW Collision episode number six. six. We opened up with six. our fancy schmancy cold open that Collision loves to do, and I love seeing it. Um, and because it gives you a little preview of what you're going to see and it cuts straight into the theme. It's just a nice vibe. I always like to talk about it. I'll probably won't know, note it every week, but I'm, until I get bored of noting it, I'm going to note it. Ricky Starks opened up the show with an Owen Hart, uh, cup win celebration, basically. I mean, it wasn't like called that, but it was like him talking about it. Like, we, we were going to hear from Ricky after winning the cup. Um, this was then interrupted by both, by several people. Um, cause Ricky came out and said like, you know, I mean, I know people saw that, like I grabbed the rope, but like, you know, all of you, if you were in my position, you'd have done the same shit. So like, fuck you basically. Um, and, uh, so, you know, fair enough. Um, he's not wrong. We probably all would. Um, then CM Punk comes out, of course, as you expect he would, cause he's the one that lost the tournament. So it obviously looks like they're setting up a few between these two going forward. Um, and Punk comes out and he's like, yo, you know, obviously I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I wouldn't have done it too. I've literally been a bastard at points in my career, you know. So, like, I've, I'm not going to fault you for doing that. But can you live with the win? So then that prompts Ricky to come out and say, hey, what's the deal with this, like, fake championship you're going around with? You know, like, it's kind of bullshit. Like, nobody believes you. You're not the champion, you know. There's a little bit more back and forth between them. And then Christian Cage makes an appearance as CM Punk's going to leave again. And everyone's like, what the fuck is Christian Cage doing out here? Uh, Luchasaurus is with him as well. And then <laughs> Christian Cage hits the line. <laughs> and what kind of man would go around claiming to be champion when he's not really a champion? <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Christian Cage is just awesome. I love Christian Cage right now. I would not have thought that when I first came in. Because when we, when we first started, it was right after his match with Kenny, was it not? When we first started the show, which you were not into. Um, like, I think that was one of those oh, ones you were God, like. No. Yeah, dude. No, that was doing that as the main event for All Out was such a boneheaded decision. Yeah. Because you want to talk. That was when they had the rankings in place, too. Like, dude. 
you can't fucking yeah. Anyway, yeah, and hey, you know what? Hey, our first rampage though with uh, Christian Cage winning the T uh, N, not T N A Impact World Championship was kind of cool. Yeah, then the him he he's most of the stuff he's done. I think that was just a bad match. I think it was just. I think Kenny was obviously probably still pretty injured at the time and obviously couldn't have. And a mega insane match with anybody that couldn't already have a mega insane match. And obviously Christian's a little bit older. So, and I don't know if Christian, maybe he wasn't quite as in enough ring shape as he is now. He looks a lot, like he looks great now. So I don't know. But uh, also we had Darby Allen making an appearance because he's keeping track because he's won the Royal Rampage. So he's keeping track of the TNT champion. So he comes out and basically this all gets turned into, and I don't know how this ended up working out this way, but in some way or another, we got the Christian Cage and Ricky Starks being a team against Darby and uh punk which i on paper i was like eh, i would rather have to be luchasaurus even though luchasaurus hasn't been super crazy lately but like in tag we know we can work well so you know um but you know whatever I, I feel like that's a bit of a missed opportunity but obviously christian cage needs to get some matches as well um but you know whatever it was a good setup for the match i guess it was a good opening segment i think um a little chaotic but it was fun uh, i you remember any earlier before collision i had messaged you because we're uh, some of the ticket numbers for this episode came in, and they were fucking fantastic. Newark, New Jersey came out, and that was a fun crowd, too. Yeah, and the only and remember, info we had on CM Punk being on the show came on Rampage, so it's not like there was a lot of time for people to And I remember messaging you, I was saying, if we had a Punk match announced for this, like, could you, th- this might fucking sell out. Maybe, and I did say to you, but Punk ends up having yesterday? the main event match. Yeah, so I sent a message to you yesterday, not message to you, I sorry, we were t- chatting on Xbox, I think, yesterday, and I was like, should they have waited? Until, like, sorry, a couple weeks because Christian Cage versus CM Punk that. feels like a big time match, right? Like, yeah, there's so many things they could have done, but I just I was so surprised that they saw those ticket numbers and didn't announce a Punk match because more people would have came. More people went into the show not thinking CM Punk was wrestling. And hundred percent. Can you just talk for a second? I really got to use yeah. the restroom. Yeah, of course. And that was just it was a very surprising idea. So. Yeah, um, I'll I'll lead us into the next thing because fuck it, why not? Um, so we have Andrade Alidolo being actually removed from the venue. I'm not sure what that was about, but it was setting up our match for next week, which is going to be fucking awesome. And we then have our first match of the night, which is Jay White and Juice Robinson with the guns who take on and defeat Action Andretti and Darius Martin. So the idea here is kind of the announcer's they did a good job putting over um, Jay White's cardio in wrestling because they're like, and, and Jace Robinson, they're putting over their cardio because like these guys just had that fucking hour long match last week against FTR. And here they are wrestling the first match tonight uh, against two fucking high flying, you know, maniacs, if you will. And if you, uh, if you guys haven't seen some of our bring of honor stuff, All like right. I, I actually really like action Andretti and Darius Martin as a pair. So, yes, yeah, it was just kind of getting us started on this match. Um, take it away from here. What- yeah, no, it wasn't my favorite Fun. match. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, Bullet Club Gold obviously can pull a good match out of just about anybody right now. Um, so not that and again, and when I say this, I'm not like shitting on the other people that are in the matches nine times out of 10. I'm just saying that like, I've seen a lot of good stuff out of Andretti and Darius recently. This wasn't the best match they've had. You know what I mean? So um, but it was a fun match with some like some good spots for the young kids, the young kids, if, if I imagine, but they're, they're probably all older than me. But, you know, like um, actually, Darius Martin, be. Dante Martin and Action Andretti would fucking pump some blood into that trio's division of Ring of Honor right now. Oh, 100 percent. So we just need to we need to get there. And obviously, that was a fucking horrific injury for Dante. So it's probably going to be a while. So, you know, um, 
five months now, still nothing. And uh, the guns came out afterward to pick the bones, as you would expect. Um, Bullet Club Gold, just Bullet Club Golding, you know, got to get him on the show. Uh, we had Nick Camarado versus Miro. Um, he ambushed Miro uh, and then got, like, beat up a little bit. And then he locked on the game over, and the game was over. Um, so uh, I saw, like, I think Wrestling Observer, somebody was like, oh, we need to finally do something with Miro in some video they released today or something like that. I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, like, you know. That it, it, it takes time to build up someone who's just come back. Yeah, we got to have them beat some people first, you know. Um, last week it was just some—I don't even remember who it was. It was just some random person that's not like got much stock, and then it's Camarado now, who we know has at least a little bit. So, you know, probably next week it'll be somebody like probably not Ar Fox, although it could be somebody like Ar Fox level I though, this slightly was a above. Cool, cool little start um, of the match. Actually, I thought I thought it was going to go somewhere else. To be honest. I didn't expect this to last very long, so I was really surprised they went that way with it, you know? There was a split second with how Camarado came out, and I thought, oh my god, are they actually going to put this motherfucker over? Nah, not on Miro's return streak. Nah, you can't do that. Um, I don't know. Um, There was a sign in the crowd that said, Pac, the man that gravity remembered. Um, (laughs) And, uh, alright, next match. Again, it wasn't a super long match or super spectacular, but the House of Black's entrance on this match, Charlie, my oh, God. Out of this world. Incredible stuff. They're just winning when it comes to entrances right now. Um, and the Acclaimed then come out. They, they do a little bit of rap. Uh, before we could get to any comments about Dominic, <laughs> we got, uh, the, we got uh, uh, a buddy rushing straight toward Max Caster because he knew he was the next target. <laughs> <laughs> he's like nah you're not even getting nah you're not it's not happening no obviously he wants to set up a singles match between those two you know what i mean where he gets to make all those comments you know what i mean so that's fair you know what i mean and house of black does enough singles matches um but um basically the point of this match uh i believe billy gunn got hit with the black mass which lost them the match am i correct about that yes billy gunn did okay take, he was the reason they lost and then it set up a really interesting, and I put it in my notes as an extremely interesting angle. Billy Gunn untied his boots, left him in the center of the ring. Billy Gunn's retiring, at least in the storyline. So, first of all, if he is actually fine. retiring, what a what a way to go out on top. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously I lost here, but like, he's not had any real bad, I can't think of any bad performances he's put in. He's been pretty much aces since I've seen him, and he's like an older wrestler so like not everybody can say that he's just in insane shape and he's been doing really well so if he did actually decide to retire off this angle at least in terms of in-ring work man I, I give it to him he has had a pretty good career for a guy that was like the, the fourth guy in a tag team not to be that dick to him but like i think everybody else in that faction was probably viewed above billy gunn for a long time you know like um even road dog you know what i mean like not much not much higher road dog but you know just a little bit you know because billy gunn I don't remember ever really hearing about him doing much after the the era with him and Triple H and Shawn Michaels and all that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, just a great, great resurgence of his career that I'm. I'd be sad to see come to an end here, but either way, we get an interesting angle out of it. So, we had Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler cutting a promo on Adam Cole and MJF, and uh, trying to sow the seeds of distrust between them. Probably not going to work because, uh, as we said earlier, probably aren't breaking those two up. 
Sky Blue took on Taya Valkyrie. I like that we're just getting all these random women's matches on Collision. It feels like we still don't really get them as much on Dynamite, you know? Like, why Collision is doing yeah. it and Dynamite isn't, I don't. I really don't know. I wanted to just touch on that promo for one second. Go ahead. For for two guys, or two of the best promos in the company, and this one just fell a little flat to me. I don't know if they didn't get across what they wanted to, but for some reason, it just... Double close my my asshole. I, yeah, that was, yeah, it just, I don't know. It just didn't, uh, it didn't hit on all cylinders, you know? Whereas these two guys have traditionally always, maybe it's because we're holding them to a little bit higher of a standard. I mean, let's get, who are we getting? They're held to a much higher standard than others. So, oh, 100%. It just didn't, uh, it didn't, it didn't ring all the way. Just like that Kenny and fucking Callus one a few weeks back. Just didn't, it didn't hit all the notes. This one, uh, it didn't to me either. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Taya and uh, Sky Blue. Lots of good stuff sure. here. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Great great match. I like, like I said, I like that they're throwing these like random, like actually potentially could be good women's matches on these shows. Um, I'm thinking Sky's starting to really prove herself as a credible opponent for people to beat, you know? So people can beat Sky Blue, and Sky Blue is like a legit opponent for you to beat now. Um, And then Taya cut a promo afterward, um, which was like basically like she did it sort of in a heel manner. So I think they're finally embracing that yeah. um, uh, with the with her character, uh, which is good because they've been pushing it that way for a while. Again, it was just it felt like such an organic setup with her and her and Jade's story because we knew we didn't know, but it ended up being that Chris Statlander was coming back, so it was pretty organically. I feel like they intentionally told the story with her like that. She was never going to win, and she knew that, but she was going to get this out of it, and it's going to lead to some really interesting stuff, some interesting feuds. Like, for example, who she called out in this promo, Dr. Britt, D- Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, which had that match on paper alone just sounds awesome, you know? So I'm really excited to see what they do with that storyline because we know Britt Baker can cut a promo too. So we could have some really great back and forth promos. If this is our undercard women's feud going into all in, all out, I'm 1000% down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, love the match. I love the direction. I just, I think the opening segment was so good on the mic. That some of these others, I felt like she was also trying to find her footing here, right? Like, like I felt like I got what she said. I saw the direction she wanted to go, but maybe she just didn't feel confident. Maybe that's what it was with her. She didn't really deliver her line in confidence. And she was even kind of like pulling the mic back and doing this and that. And I was like, I've seen you fucking destroy people on the mic. I know you can do it. Uh, Who knows? Maybe she's just tired from the match, too. Yeah, she was gassed. You could tell. Like... Cutting a promo right after a match when you're like a, hi- a high level wrestler to, that wrestles at yeah. high speed, that's got to be tough, right? You know, with why not everybody Ricky's does it? You know, promo was with Punk, like those guys were fucking literally delivering nukes on the bomb. Shout out Oppenheimer, um, yeah, literally. But those guys were literally like fucking going off, and like I don't know, it, it was uh yeah, I, I'm with you though. I I didn't think Ty would win. I'm gonna be straight up. I thought this was Sky's win. I was a little surprised with the result, but I'm down. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect Sky to lose here either because they've been booking her to win stuff lately. But I mean, it also, if Taya versus Brit's the way you're going, it makes sense. Like, we, we like Sky Blue, but for all intents and purposes, she's probably like the lowest or second. No, she probably is the lowest on the totem pole in the women's division, actually, because I can't think of who's below her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think everyone else is probably, unfortunately, valued more right now. So she's probably going to lose to a lot of them, you know? Um, they know what they have in her, but it's just not her time yet, which sucks, you know. But maybe she can be him Ringo on a women's world champion. I think there were a lot of people that wanted to get behind that idea, but it just she wasn't was the right time. She was slamming those first few episodes of Ring of Honor. Yeah, man. 
I think I think there's something there. I don't want to just I'm not and by the way, I want to be clear, I'm not delegating Sky Blue to Ring of Honor. I believe she could be a valuable asset on AEW, but AEW and I hate I hate to constantly say the same things on this podcast, but AEW just doesn't book the women enough to justify Sky Blue's push right now, you know, like because they would have to have like three women's feuds. And there'd be a lot of male talent that would get really probably upset that they're not getting used. You know what I mean? So like like do we I mean, we can't do another third show so yeah i don't know like it's it's yeah like i don't know it's it's just it's it's a weird spot right now so we're gonna see some weird booking with the women probably till they figure out the balance i'm guessing i would be fine if on rampage they started developing two women's matches out of the four and you started really using that as a brewing ground like you could if you wanted to. I mean, I'm fine with what they're doing on Collision. Just have a couple matches on Rampage or Rampage, uh, Rampage with Dynamite as well. It just feels like it feels like some weeks we only have the women on like one show, and it's really weird, like in like a meaningful way, you know? Like, uh, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, it, let's think about it right now. In in the women's division, who's Tony Storm even feuding with? She's not right. She wasn't leading right? in the pay per view. So like, Chris Statlander doesn't have a feud. She's just yeah. You, those are your two anyone. champions. Neither of them have a fucking story right now. How is that a real thing? And and Taya and Britt Baker have one. That see, I see a lot of people sometimes get like angry that Britt Baker's always in that position. But like, I don't know. That's this is more for the champions. Like, are we just keeping Tony on the sidelines till Jamie gets back? Are we just having Chris Statlander do what Orange Cassidy did, defending against anyone? Like, I don't know. Maybe that is the story. If like you could write me that that's Chris Statlander's story, and I'd buy into it because they are she is closely connected with Orange Cassidy, right? But I don't know. At a certain point, we need we need like developing storylines for each of our champions. You know, no, Athena's got Athena's had multiple storylines back to back, and you know, weeks in between where she there did, are a couple sure. things. Ring of Honor is 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 doing way better, and I don't know why. I just don't get it. But she just went from that awesome Kira Hogan story to this Willow story, and the Willow story is probably continuing. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's. I I just it's uh, <laughs> let's figure something out with Tony, guys. Like, <laughs> fuck, yeah, that just brought up a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Christian Cage and Ricky Starks. Yeah. Without that, it was. They'll figure it out. I guess we had Christian Cage and Ricky Starks taking on CM Punk and Darby Allen. Uh, Punk came out to some some punker buds, some loud ass boos. Um. They did not like him in this crowd. Um. Uh, neither man wanted to start the match for Ricky Starks or Christian Cage. They almost got counted out by the ref, which was interesting. I never even realized that was a rule in wrestling. I guess. Um. That if you had to have somebody enter within ten seconds, or they ref would just call the match <laughs> that's one of those rules that uh it, it it matters for that exact moment and never anytime else <laughs> yep um yeah i don't know <clears throat> i still like the team of darby and punk tagging together i'm glad they haven't just forgotten that that was a thing back when punk was around um we got a little tease from rick Boney here uh right before we went to commercial here we're gonna have a breaking news update for you right as we come back from the break um and we come back from the break. I'm going to be honest with you, Charlie. I don't fucking even remember what the breaking news update was. I literally have to go to the other fucking notes here. <laughs> <laughs> it was that uh, the match between Buddy Matthews and Andrade Alidolo. Oh, it's going to be a ladder match. match. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. With uh, Andrade's mask yeah, 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 on, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. on a pole. Mask on a pole. Yes, no, but... of course. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, That's why I didn't remember. Because I was like, oh, yeah. I'd see Because I'd seen that that was going to be a ladder match beforehand. So that wasn't like a surprise to me. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That was actually said during the show. That makes sense that that was put out on social then. 
Um, the crowd did really like this match, obviously, because um, it had a lot of people they like in it. Um, there was some dueling chants for Ricky and uh, Punk at points. Scorpio Sky was watching up in the skybox, so I guess, I, I guess, uh, I, I, it's still that TNT title. Yeah, I guess. he's gonna go after it. Yeah, yeah I guess. there's nothing we can do about it. It's true. It's fine. He can have it back. Um, Ian was getting trolled by Nigel a lot during this match on the commentary. Um, there was a huge hot tag that faded into booze quickly for Punk. I have never heard that before in my life. That was wild. Um, they popped big for him tagging in. And then immediately started booing. I've, Charlie, have you ever heard that? No. That's crazy. I think that just shows the, like, where Punk's at, right? Like, he he's becoming a phenomenon to boo. Like, even fans of him, I'm sure, are booing him just to embrace the fun. Like, it's 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 becoming a thing, right? Does that make sense? Yep. I thought this uh, was really mostly like a, a lot of collision and other TV main events just kind of picked up in the second half a lot. Punk did hit a Pepsi, hit a Pepsi twist at one point. I always, I always put it in my notes. Okay. Until I get bored of it. Um, and cause I love that move. It's just fun. It's a fun little Pepsi twist anyway. Um, and Ricky grabbed the ropes again. So we had another spot where it was punk and, uh, actually I don't think it was punk this time. I believe it was actually, was it Darby? He caught with this this time, I believe. Um, yeah. Cause I think, yeah, the Pepsi twist. No, 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 no. Uh, the, the, uh, Ricky, when he grabbed the rope the second time, was that oh, on yes. Darby? Yes, okay, it I was that. Darby. Okay. Yeah. Cause Darby like rolled him into like some kind of sunset flip type deal. And then, um, he, Ricky rolled it up and grabbed the leg and then grabbed the rope and punk looked fucking devastated that like what we considered to be like a fucking person. He was a mentor to just fucking cheated again when he's trying to show him the right way and punk's devastated. And now, now, now he's pissed. Now he's going to have to take Ricky out, you know? Um, so Ricky is, I think Charlie once is once is, you know, he was taking advantage twice. I think Ricky's embracing the dark side slowly. Let the hate flow. I'm cool with it. Uh, dude, Punk has lost three times since Collision started. That is, is this the CM Punk apology tour? It fucking might be. Uh, you know what? I didn't even think about that until you said it, but it fucking might be. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, yeah, Ricky Starks has beat CM Punk twice, guys. This is fucking legit now. Like, he beat him in singles, which... Look, the, the record will always show, you know, Miro made John Cena tap out. The record will show that, like, it's just the way it is. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, it, this, again, our main event. Does this put Ricky all... in a position, to, by the way, to be in? Because they always say, oh, if you pin the guy that's the number one contender for a championship, you should be in that match. Is Ricky going to be in this TNT title match now? Like, he, he could be. I think... Or will he face Darby after he wins it? I think we're gearing up. I'm not even kidding you. I think we're gearing up for Ricky to be like our contending for the world championship again. Possibly going for it and potentially winning at full gear, depending who's champ. But he pinned the number one contender. Can we at least do that? I know it only matters when it matters, but can we at least do that this once? Because he did pin the number one contender. Come on. I know he cheated, but he still pinned him. You you could. You could do that. So He doesn't have to win the title or anything. Just put him in the match or at least like have them. You know what? Here's what you do. It is a really easy way to get a good match. And he will, and this will make sense given that he did this to Darby. Have them just have a singles match. And then the winner gets to face the fucking champion. 
Okay, count me in. I'm there down. you go. And then if you decide you want for some reason it to be Ricky, then you can do that. But if you really are considering Ricky for a world title shot, like I think like, I agree with you, I think they're doing right now, then you have him lose and Darby still is. And then you're like, oh, well, I didn't even just have Darby stay as the number one contender then if that's the end game. Because it creates drama. Yeah, it creates drama. So, yeah. Um, a little preview for next week uh, on Dynamite. We got Air Fox versus Orange. Oh, come Cassidy on, because you could literally have Christian Cage come out and sit and try and interfere and then fail. Come on, there's so many options here. Oh, there's some good stuff. Darby Allen versus Swerve Strickland. Ah! Uh, Doctor Britt Baker DMD versus Ty of Valkyrie could be really good. Pack versus Gravity. That's going to be intense. He finally remembered him. <laughs> uh, Castagnoli and Moxley versus the Lucha Brothers versus Best Friends. And then we hear from Adam Cole and MJF. Our collision card next week, FTR versus Adam Cole and MJF for the AEW World Tag Team titles. That match is going to have so much heat in it. Oh, my God. It's going to be incredible. El Hijo del Vikingo, Action Andretti, and Darius Martin versus Juice Robinson and the Guns. Whoa. And then Buddy Matthews versus Andrade El Idolo, uh in a rematch from the debut edition of Collision. This was uh, the latter. What match. does it say about uh, Darius and Andretti that El Hio's like, ah, I want to tag with those guys? Yeah, I'm down. But most importantly, this is uh, El Hijo is now on Collision. So we, we've been touring with them, but only doing Ring of Honor stuff. But let's go. I'm down. So, yeah, guys, fun week. Again, eat, sleep, elite, uh, twitter.com. If you guys want to check that out, we really appreciate it. The Duke of Derps on Twitch. You can catch Duke here playing some, uh, play some Modern Warfare 2 lately, huh? On the, on the gold, the gold quest, the golden quest. Yeah, I've entered the golden era. Um, oh, the golden era of streaming. Hey, yo. Yes. Um, um, yeah, we're just hunting for gold guns right now. And I'm, I'm fucking addicted to this game, Charlie. I can't help it. This game is, I just, I can't stop playing it. Hey, it's good stuff. And guys, thank you very much for checking out this edition of Eat Sleep Elite Season 3, Episode 9. We'll be back next week where we're talking about um, how Adam Cole turned heel on MJF. Or how they've remained best friends and now they're in a throuple with Britt Baker. Uh, Hey, yo! Uh, Wardlow, send us home. (laughs) 